Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast brought to you by Tacticam. Tacticam is by far the easiest way to begin filming your hunts. Whether it's a budget-friendly solo or the 4K 5.0, Tacticam has something for everyone. Check them out at Tacticam.com. We're also working this year with Spartan Forge. Spartan Forge is machine learning for the deer woods. So Spartan Forge has millions of data points all put together to tell you the best time to be in the woods. They use collared deer studies. They use auto accidents. They use social media pictures. They use all of that data comprised to figure out where the deer are going to be. The same artificial intelligence that's used to track bad guys uh, in the Middle East and all over the world, that's what they're using to figure out deer patterns. And deer move differently in the south than they do in the northeast than they do in the Midwest. So this data is specific to your location uh, based on all of these things being reported. Now, uh, I just had a long conversation with Bill about the new features that are coming. Uh, So there's going to be some updates. And with the updates, there's going to be price increases. So if you were to sign up right now, uh, the price is locked in for as long as you have the subscription service and um, an app is being built right now and that's coming here very shortly Uh, so it's going to be a little bit more user friendly and um, like I said there's a ton of features that are um, really awesome we were talking about like things that I would want to see in an app and uh, he's like yep that's going to be in there Um, oh that's a great idea let's let's try and figure out how we can make it I mean, just the most ideal app for um, the hunter. And I don't know if you've been paying attention. You need to follow Spartan Forge on um, social media. Um, he's announcing the pro staff or the guys that are that are using this, that are testing this. Um, 
and you know already has been Garrett Prawl and Greg Litzinger. Um, but uh, just out now is Johnny Stewart, Taylor Chamberlain, Parker McDonald, and Andy May. Um, some like tremendous hunters and guys that spend a ton of time in the woods. I mean, Taylor, you know, hunts 200 to 250 days a year. Um, you know, for him to be able to, to say, yes, this is working, you know, this is what I'm seeing. I mean, that's an incredible, uh, asset to have on their team to, to kind of verify that this is working. Um, and Andy May is like one of the most efficient killers, um, that's out there. He's actually next week's guest on the vitals live. Um, so next Tuesday. So if you're one of the Patreons, be looking in your messages for that. Um, this week is going to be Greg Litzinger, another guy on this list. Um, so uh, if you haven't checked out the Vitals Live, you can go do that. Or, uh, you know, our Patreons get uh, that linked to, to come and, and have a one-on-one session with, uh, with the guys on the Vitals Live. Um, but Spartan Forge, like I said, big things are coming. You can use code uh, BOWHUNTER for 25% off of that, and that's 25% for as long as you have it. So uh, they do have a free day, uh, 14-day trial. And um, you can check that out at SpartanForge.ai. And I mentioned the Patreons. i got to give a shout-out to our two new Patreons since last week, TJ Merritt of Harrison. So TJ, he hosted the Tethered t- uh, Teaching Train last year uh, at uh, his house or his dad's house. Um, so I've met TJ, great guy. Um, thanks, TJ. And then James Allen out of Penville, New York. So uh, more of the, the, the East Coast guys uh, jumping on and we really do appreciate it. And what is Patreon? Patreon is a crowdfunding for creators. So that helps to, uh, for us to do all of our giveaways, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, it, it helps to buy equipment for the show. It helps to buy gear for us to test, to try for us to go on hunts, for us to go on location and meet these guys in person, uh, to go to things like the tethered teach and train and talk to the guys and, and, you know, report back to you. So, um, you know, it's 17 cents a day um, to support the show. And uh, I sent out a swag pack to everybody, uh, TJ and James. I'm going to get yours out um, here by the end of this week. Usually the first part of my week is putting out the podcast, and then the second is all of the uh, housekeeping. So we'll get to that. You can check that out at patreon.com uh, forward slash Bowhunter Chronicles podcast, or you can go to bowhunterchroniclespodcast.com and click the Patreon link. You can go to the link in our Instagram, check out our YouTube, but there's a Patreon, uh, thing on there where it shows you how to sign up. Um, on top of that, um, we're also giving away a bow. Um, you don't have to be a Patreon to be entered. Um, literally there's like 150 people that have signed up. So if you go to our website or go to, um, our Instagram and just click on the link, um, we're giving away a Bowtech carbon Zion. We're a bow hunting podcast. We want to give back. We want to get more people into it. We want to get people more, uh, excited about it. And so, um, we thought what better way than to give away a brand new bow. So we're giving away that carbon Zion, same bow I'm going to be shooting, uh, HHA Tetra site, HHA rest, um, more things to come on that. But I mean, that's a, an incredible thing just that we're giving away outside of the Patreons. Patreons get extra entries, but, um, whatever. But, uh, each quarter we do giveaways strictly for the Patreons and this quarter. Um, so 
this quarter will be so April 1st, uh, probably by the 5th, April 10th, something like that, we'll announce these uh, winners. Uh, but we are giving away uh, Tacticam 5.0 package with the Turkey Reaper. And Tacticam's already said, you know, when you kill something with this camera, get them the footage. They'll edit it up for you, and they will put it out uh, on their social media. So your hunt will be out on everybody that follows Tacticam. Um, we're also giving away, uh, Latitudes gave us a classic saddle, but we thought, what good is a saddle? I mean, I love that saddle, but without everything else that goes along with it, you know, you still got to buy ropes, sticks, all that stuff. So uh, we're going to be giving away a set of uh, XOP mini sticks, the Artisan Outdoor uh, fabrication mini platform, same platform I've used for the last two years. Um, and then just to round it out, we're going to give away some of the new tethered ropes, which I have to remember to order. Um, so I'm, we're going to give you everything that you need to start saddle hunting. Uh, Spartan Forge, as we already mentioned, uh, they're giving away a uh, one-year subscription to their, um, their software and so you'll be able to check that out. And with all the new things that are coming, it's going to be a really exciting time to uh, to be involved with that. And then BaseMap. So BaseMap is what we've been using extensively. I'm actually testing, uh, beta testing their um, new uh, update for their um, offline mapping, which uh, was good to begin with. The detail wasn't... Um, as great maybe as we would have liked when we were out west and uh, I can tell you right now that re with what we're doing um, that is much much improved um, but base map um, they've got all the layers everything that any of the other mapping softwares have um, as far as uh, functionality but they have a ton more layers uh, many more options Online scouting is amazing, um, and they're giving away one of their pro packs for a year as well as a swag pack. And for base map, I mean, it's $30 for the entire year. We have a code. You can use uh, code Chronicles. You have to go uh, online to do that. You can't do it through the App Store. Um, so that ends up being $24 a month two dollars or excuse me twenty four dollars a year two dollars a month for the entire year uh, but they're giving away one of those the guys from zinger fletchings so those are 3d printed um, helical uh, flat they've got one degree three degree six degree offsets um, they're giving away a set of their fletchings um, they're actually going to be at the total archery challenge we've got everything all set up uh, for us uh, we're all registered we'll be at the total archery challenge boyne mountain so hoping to see you guys up there but the Zinger Fletching guys are going to be up there, so we're hoping to to hook up with them and uh, record a podcast, hang out, and um, really, you know, that's going to be a great opportunity for us to shoot a lot of arrows with the with the Zinger Fletches and see, you know, what we think of them. I've got some; they group right tight with my other arrows, but I haven't shot them, you know, all day long at a hundred yards. So, uh, going to be pretty cool. But those are all the things that we're giving away. Um, through Patreon. I also started a Marco Polo group, um, which has been really great for uh, building this community. Um, so if you're one of, there's like 30 guys in there. Um, so if you're one of the Patreons, you're not using that, uh, you don't have the link or whatever, get a hold of me. But um, on to today's podcast. Today's podcast kind of stems from questions from that Marco Polo group. Um, 
for guys that are just starting out or switching over to uh, mobile hunting, coming off from uh, private land, going on to public, making some changes, um, this stuff can be overwhelming. So what we wanted to do was take it from like a budget perspective. So if you had a set budget, how would you spend that money? What would you do? What should you do? Where should where should the money be spent? Because it can be, if you had a, a I mean, a thousand dollar budget for the entire year, um, if you needed a bow, that'd be gone. If you you know wanted to buy all high end, uh, you know, a set of high end sticks and a, a high end stand, that's gone. So there's no gas money, no tag money, no no anything. So um, Byron's on here. Byron's an accountant. Byron is uh, uh, what I would consider like a higher level deer hunter. He's he's targeting specific uh, class of deer, Pope and Young and Bigger, and he's doing it on public land. And he puts out videos on budget, on um, you know great options for um, you know guys um, outside of just all the the high-end stuff and so i really wanted to have byron on here to have this conversation and i'm really glad that we did it's a little bit long um but super fun you can tell as soon as i give him a number he gets super excited and we just run with it so uh fun conversation um great podcast i really think it's going to be helpful for a lot of guys uh but let us know what you think leave us a review on um iTunes or whatever you're listening to, hit that five-star review and, um, you know, just tell somebody else about the podcast. You know, somebody that's maybe starting out, maybe that needs this information, say, hey, you got to hear what these guys have to say. Listen, but I know you guys are going to like this. Thanks for listening. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. Adam, just Adam today, not a solo podcast, but, uh, we're going to talk with uh, a guy who um, it's a it's an interesting topic. Um, he produces amazing content with high end, like you know, cinematic like quality. Everything that you look for, and you say, "Man, I really want to do that as a cell filmer, as starting out." And then uh, you know, you go and you use your your just one Tacticam, or you use your one hundred and fifty dollar. Um, Sony uh, Handycam, and you're like, why doesn't mine look like his? Um, and we're going to get into a little bit of that, but um, we're talking with Byron Horton, the Whitetail Experience, um, about kind of the coming from a budget standpoint. So we're going to talk uh, budget gear, multi-purpose gear, uh, kind of the evolution of kind of where to start, what you need, what you don't need. Um, how does that sound to you, Byron? Uh, I'm fired up, man. Anytime to talk deer hunting, maybe a little self-filming and, uh, you know, just getting into that, uh, uh the whitetail world. So I just want to touch on that. Like, like how is a guy that produces like amazing content, like on the budget side of it? Because it seems like everyone that we've talked to, the evolution is like to this high end gear, and it's not, I feel like if you end up with high-end equipment in, or equipment that's able to produce that sort of quality, it kind of translates all the way across. And so you have that, you know, must be better, must be ideal, must be 
um, I guess, purpose built type mentality. So how, how are, how are we talking to you today on the budget side of things? Yeah, I think, you know, that question's really just framed it at at solo filming and production, but like, I remember a a conversation with a a guy named Jordan Johnson um, out of Illinois and we were sitting there um, and, you know, I had my very first DSLR with like a kit lens and I was a little bit intimidated because here he's unboxing, not a red, but it was, it was some camera that was, it was pretty ridiculous as far as what he was putting together. It, it, It was probably a a significantly multiple grand uh, camera. And I was kind of just kind of talking to him and and saying, Oh, I want this lens and I need this drone. And he kind of looked at me and and, and kind of pulled me aside and really gave me some great coaching advice that dude, it is not, it is not the camera. It is not necessarily the lens or the equipment, but it's, it's you. Um, That is the most uh, important thing in this industry. And, and he said, you can learn how to run a very basic camera with a kit lens or even your cell phone. He talked to one of his first productions, uh, his main camera took a dump on him and he pulled out his cell phone and the, the client was very, Oh, you know, kind of had a weird look on his face, but then Jordan edited it up and the client was thrilled to death with what they were able to accomplish. You know, that's something that stuck with me. Um, and and I I think I'm also very realistic when it comes to the approach of, oh, let's call it media in the outdoor space, because one, there's not a lot of money in the outdoor space when you look at total dollars spent compared to something like the, the wedding space or, or, you know, something like that. And so like, not a lot of people make it, not a lot of people, you know, break even. So, so I have an accounting background, so I'm always kind of conscious of cost and that's kind of how I have, have chose to make Oh, my gear decisions and, and, you know, both in hunting and, you know, from the filming side of things, because I, I didn't always have the, the custom gear set up. I, I, I have come from a hundred dollar climber field and stream 30 pounder, you know? Yeah. So in, in, in saying that, and I've always said that, you know, so you could give me a red and I probably wouldn't even know how to turn the thing on, but if you turned it on for me and said, go ahead and video, whatever you want to, um, and then I gave you or someone like the guy that was that was giving you the advice, um, uh, his cell phone, he could produce a better video than I could um, because it's kind of the guy that's using it. But that when you were talking about that, it just made me think about like that probably translates a lot to the deer woods. And you could you could say that if I gave um, if you gave me all the. Sitka Fanatic and uh, Lone Wolf Custom Gear or name your high-end saddle and the best sure. stick on the planet. And then you put me up against uh, somebody, you know, like a, a Dan Infault or, you know, Zach from the Hunting Public or uh, John Eberhard or something like that. You know, uh, my money would be on them in flannel or ripped up BDUs or, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever. Um and I think that that's one thing in today's day and age gets lost. And when you talk about the the dollars not being in there in uh, in the hunting space, I would almost say that there's probably more dollars spent on like trying to sell you gear than there is, you know, trying to teach you how to hunt. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, very much a, a trend, especially I, I feel like the industry in the, the early mid 2000s, you know, I think the industry is getting way better at teaching you how or showing real world examples. Um, but yeah, the 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 commercials of, of 10 years ago were ridiculous as far as just trying to sell you stuff. <laughs> so I guess from that perspective, um you know, uh, let's get a little bit of background. I know that we've had you on here before and we've kind of gone through this, but we got a lot of new listeners and um, we haven't really approached it from this side. So what's your background in hunting and like who taught you how to hunt or where did you get your information about where to use gear or what you needed? Yeah. Um, so I got introduced actually kind of late. I was 17, 18 years old. Got invited to hunt a uh, my best friend in high school. His dad owned 120 acres in Coshocton County, phenomenal uh, deer county, and uh, I got to tag along with a oh you know a big onesie that was faded real tree, and uh, you know kind of that's that's how I started. You know, next year was Horton crossbow on the ground and um, bobbed around a few wooden platform stands on that piece and got bit by the bug. And fast forward, college comes around. I start hunting some public ground, grab a climber, and, and uh, you know, started to be able to find deer there and was shocked because anything I'd ever read on forums, and this is pre-Facebook days, um, you know, reading forums and talking with hunters at shows and stuff like that, public land was so frowned upon. And, um, you know, started to find some deer there and passed up a couple bucks that I shouldn't have and, you know, just was so engulfed with it. Um, finally got a little more time after college to, to really essentially take the full full year approach as far as scouting and, and really just take my deer hunting to the next level. And, um, you know, started hanging out with my, my, my good buddy, David Ebright, who's, who's a member of the white tail experience. He's funny, uh, guy on there, but, uh, he had had some, some better success early on right after college, just really hunting hard and killing some good bucks. And, he kind of took me under his wing and, and, you know, we'd have nights called deer and beer night where we'd fall asleep, you know, drinking beer on a Tuesday, watching uh, the old Hill country bucks DVD or, or looking up, you know, crazy stuff on the Ohio sportsman forum and maps. And, um, you know, fast forward now I'm, I'm, you know, still hunting public land and doing some out of state trips and, and, uh, helping edit, edit, you know, whitetail addictions and doing some media stuff with, with Lone Wolf custom gear and XOP. Okay. So in that, um, evolution and, uh, and I'm still uh, in that evolution. That's <laughs> a key, key word there. Well, but I think that the, the thing is, is that I, I feel like sometimes, you know, we end up like you and I, and, and, and a lot of people, and I say that, you know, all this stuff that we look at is an echo chamber, but I think we can end up so close to it, right. That, uh, maybe you begin to believe the hype or you get to, you get sucked in. I mean, like we were talking about a little bit before, like I am like a gear junkie. So I don't have, I've talked to a few guys that are like, they, I mean, they're so analytical and they have, this is my budget for the year for hunting. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I don't, I, I spend my lunch money. I mean, like, uh, you know, I'm almost 40 years old. Like I still have like a budget for lunch and I'll just pack a lunch and I'll buy that, you know, climbing stick or this other saddle or this other platform or, you know, this, because, you know, granted it's, it's the podcast and I want to be able to 
speak intelligently on it. But at the same time, like, I like seeing the stuff. Like, I don't, I don't take anybody's word for it, like, online. I don't, I, I think that there's so much, so many people, like, trying to sell you things, and there's not enough people out there, like, being objective. So I don't have that, that, like, analytical, like, this is my, my hunting budget. So how do you, like I said, as we get like too close and on that evolution, how have you like staved that off? Or, I mean, do you create a cost analysis? Like you did a video, you know, with the cost of running trail cams, right? Mm -hmm. So do you do that on every single piece of your hunting gear or what is your approach to hunting gear and like necessity cost? Is there multiple uses? How do you view that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I do take my hunting like costs very serious. I can't big purchases in general. Hell, I drove my mom's Honda like CRV for three months while I looked for the best truck deal and bought a, uh, uh, a used truck out of Fort Wayne, Indiana, and you know made my girlfriend drive me three hours to pick up a truck because it was eight hundred dollars cheaper than anything close. And put the you know so so I am very uh, conscious of, of of spending money. Um, especially substantial purchases, which, which hunting gear can get very substantial as far as, um, you know, investing and buying something maybe that could last you 10 years, even though it's very expensive, but I've, I've always been that way. Um, and, and, you know, I really, I, I really put some, some time in as far as, uh, researching is searching like how better deals, um, secondary sources i'm very big on buying you know used deer uh always have been and and you can find stuff at costs or um capitalizing on on black friday deals if you kind of remember oh yeah last year they ran a black friday deal i'm gonna i'm gonna wait and see what posts you know in four months versus buying something today um so so see yeah and 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 and, you know i i didn't make the best money right out of college and and so I, I remember I saved up and researched the best old budget entry bow or whatever. And that was my first real big purchase. And then had to wait a whole year after that to buy a better climber that I had seen at the deer and turkey show. And um, literally said, I'm going to buy that stand at the show price, but I got to wait a whole year um, and, and did that. And, and so, yeah, I've kind of always been that way, to be honest. So I guess um... – from that perspective, like for guys that are just starting out and, and that are getting caught up in the hype. And like I told you, you know, for our patrons, like we started this Marco Polo group and we're in there, we're talking about, you know, everybody's got all these high end climbing sticks. And one of the guys, Matt, I know he's going to listen to this. And, and we had kind of a chuckle about this, but the, the, the consensus at the moment is that the tethered one sticks are the worst sticks ever. And the Eastern Woods Outdoor sticks are terrible, or are they, no, they're the they're the only ones to buy, right? Well, mm-hmm. I've looked at those previously, and like to buy, to build the stick that I would want is like hundred and forty dollars a stick. And he's like, well, if you don't get them anodized and you don't get like this, he's like seventy dollars a piece. That seems like a deal. And I'm like, hold on, dude, think about what you just said. You said one stick is a good deal at $70 a piece. Like, what are we talking about here? Like, how far have we come? Like, so, Mm -hmm. so, I mean, like, where is, like, knowing that guys can get caught up in all of that, like, 
where do you think people should uh, apply their money like starting out like and what should what's a realistic budget to start out bow hunting sure like and and Adam, let me ask this because there's a little bit of what I would tell a guy who's maybe 26 and has maybe got a, a Oh, has found a better job and has a little more disposable income is definitely different than the dude who's 21, right? You know, just graduated college and maybe doesn't have the most disposable income because, um, I would, I would maybe, you know, look at a slightly different, you know, that's two different, little bit different categories there. Well, I think what, I, I mean, here's what I'm seeing is I, I'm seeing, um, for from the guys that I deal with like from our Patreon and the guys that I'm talking to like daily online is um they seem to be like mid 30s or even even late 30s or older um either deciding to go from private to public or um you know they got they're married and got a couple kids and they're trying to balance this budget and they're trying to figure out like you know, where should I spend my money like, uh, appropriately, you know? So some, some of the first questions that I always ask them is like, what experience do you have and what do you already own? But, you know, yeah, that's, that's super valid, you know, um, experience. And, and yeah, like the scenario is key here too, before we dive into what, what gear, how I would recommend them spending money. Um, can we assume that we're going to, let's throw in some public land. I assume that's where you want to go with this. And let's assume uh, mobile hunting is kind of a key factor in all this. And they, can we assume those two things and steer this where we go now? Yep. And it's going to be like archery. I mean, this is the Bowen yeah, Crown yep. podcast. So those are the, we'll say those three things. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like, I would say if I look at my purchases in the past, I have blown, I feel like money on new bows. And I think that was very stupid early, like early on. I can remember I bought one new bow, um, and, and what you pay for that new bow compared to what if you waited a year about last year's model is pretty substantial. Um, and obviously with the, the oh, boom of archery talking all the Facebook forum groups and stuff, buying a used bow is actually pretty easy these days. Um, so, so that is a route I would, I would go and just look for those, those tried and true kind of bows like like the matthew z7 kind of comes to mind as a classic yes it's a solo camp but dude that that bows killed probably more whitetails you know in the u.s than than maybe any other model or uh you know you can look at um some of the old elites or the bow techs like most of the manufacturers make good bows but a two-year-old model tends to to do to do really well as far as a a you know, priced and performance level. Um, I've, I'm shooting a five-year-old bow right now from a manufacturer that's not even around anymore. <laughs> um, I think I've killed four out of my last five deer with it. Um, you know, new breed archery's not even around anymore. But uh, uh, the Matthews, I will say this, their resale value seems to be significantly better than any other manufacturer. As far as you buy a two-year-old Matthews and want to flip it a year later, it seems to not drop as fast as the others. So you may pay more, but you can also sell it. Um, but that's up to the the individual guy, probably what feels a little better. But there's there's plenty of ways to, to get a used bow. I would definitely steer that route. But like, you know, if a guy's dipping his toe in and maybe he's killed some deer and he's going to try and tackle some mobile hunting public land, like I find it very hard to go 
Um, tree stand wise, definitely the the XOP vanish. And when they redid it, oh, what was that two years ago? And knocked two pounds off to 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 make it more around that ten pound mark with a couple of the better features. Like that's a that's a no brainer. And I, I I know some guys like that M7, and I'm I'm sorry, it's it's unless you're ultra light, like I just don't see an argument there. And um, but there's a plenty of good now sticks, you know, that you can scoop off uh, the hawk sticks on camo fire show up every now and then. You know, for a hundred dollars for a three or four pack, you know that's tough to go wrong. There, I've ran the Hawk sticks before. Um, the XOP sticks, another budget-friendly option. Um, and now there's even more companies kind of putting stuff out. You know, um, targeting a little bit. You know, the, the the mobile hunting boom is here. Uh, I don't know how long this wave's gonna last, but but it's here. Um, so you know, those are like the two to three gear items as far as um if you want to talk clothing if you want to talk boots um well let's just also... let's just stop right here like yeah because i want to i'm i'm looking at your notes and i'm I'm thinking about like the things that i was going to interject and in, in those things so like for me when you talk about like the bow so i think mm-hmm. it, it all depends on like where you're starting out so um i've bought two brand new bows in my lifetime and uh, the first one I bought, I didn't take care of. The string broke. One of the cables snapped and exploded on me. And that was right before my first trip to Ohio, or my second trip to Ohio. And uh, I ended up killing the largest deer of my life with a $279 bear ready-to-hunt special right out of Cabela's showroom. Um, nice. And the reason was... Because I, despite the fact that I like to spend, I like to try out gear, I'm cheap. So I'm always looking for a deal. I'm looking for a bargain. I'm looking for all that. Well, that same year, my father-in-law got the Matthews Helium. And so I compared the specs with speed, uh, brace height, axle to axle, all the things that I think matter from a bow. Mm -hmm. Um, And those two things lined up almost identically um his bow was twelve hundred dollars that was the first year that it came out and this mm-hmm. bow with a quiver with a sight with a whisker biscuit was 275 dollars um, and i think i actually got my buddy to buy it with his cabela's card so he got the points and i think i got yeah, it for 200 but it knocked yeah but it knocked 50 dollars off yep. that day or yeah so i think sure. i got it for 250 bucks so and i killed I mean, still probably the biggest deer I'll ever kill in my whole life um, with that bow. And, you know, coming from what I was shooting and, you know, the, the these newer bows, I mean, there's nothing wrong with them. If you look at the hunting public, they're using those same off-the-shelf, ready-to-hunt bear packages for the most part. Um, and they're beating the crap out of them. And they're killing whatever they want to. Now, if you're going to be you know, doing the stuff that John does and building your own strings and tuning them to the millimeter, then, you know, you're maybe putting a higher priority on some of the things where a guy that's coming straight out, um, isn't, but one of the things on your list, um, that says, and I guess on that tried and true thing, I'm a big fan of the Bowtech Carbon Icon, their carbon platform. I'm shooting the Carbon Deploy. I'll be shooting the new uh, Carbon Zion. We're giving one of those away. Incredible budget bow. Budget bow at 
$650. So just yeah, doesn't bow hunting fiend shoot that bow or yeah, he, he bought one and rattle canned the shit out of it. Um, and it's his like favorite bow right now. So yeah. 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 And that dude's a, a savage, you know, if, yeah. he, if he, he says this works, I, I'm definitely going to take a second look. Right. And so, it, but in your notes, when you're talking about like tree stands and climbers and stuff, you said you wish you never bought a hundred dollar climber. Now I'm yeah. going to, I'm going to do a podcast. I got one coming up here pretty soon. Um, I've, I've talked with them a little bit. We're going to figure it out, but I want to know like, you know, that not buying a hundred dollar climber, like, do you think, I want to hear that story, but I want to know, is the climber dead? Um, Ooh, dude, I don't know where it is. I don't <laughs> think I sold it, but, uh, I, I've left her, I actually left her in a piece of public one time for two weeks because I didn't want to, <laughs> I, I hunted a tree and, and hated the setup and it was loud and I, I left it for two weeks and came back and grabbed it. Um, <laughs> but yes, I, I'm not, I, it might be on my buddy's uh, piece of ground in, in Southern Ohio that I used to hunt. It might be wrapped around a tree. I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure. <laughs> but so for you, the climber was not, um, was not the way to go. So the hundred dollar climber, like back then, right. I was in college and I had killed like one or two deer. Um, I think, I think one, let's say, let's call it two deer. I think I killed one with a gun and one with a crossbow and I was starting to hunt public land and I had a compound that my mom bought me for my birthday. It was you know, ready to hunt package, $300. Um, and, uh, I, I'd saved up some money and I, I used to cut grass, shovel snow, you name it. I did it for, for, for beer and gas money back in the day. And so I, I walked into field and stream about a 32 pound climber <laughs> and I would have been far better off to take that hundred dollars and scout four times that winter, you know, roughly $20 a mission, um, in gas that day or whatever, and just hunt on the ground, um, for a season. And, 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 you know, at that point in my life, now, when I did buy, uh, rewind first year out of college, I bought a, um, it was a tree Walker, which is a Wisconsin company. I'm not even sure if they're still in business. They made a, uh, it was sub 20. I think it was 18 pounds. They also had a 16 pound model, but I bought the 18 pound model and it wasn't, don't get me wrong. The weight savings was awesome, but that climber set up on the tree way better. You know, it had like yellow tips on the cables and then, uh, he squared the cables so they couldn't get turned when you were trying to find your pin system. Um, there was a dot on the cable. So like when you saw the yellow dot, you knew your pin would slide right through the, the hole right below it. Um, it's stacked actually, it's stacked almost like solo cups and there was no straps needed to, to transport. So like some of these better features made hunting with that stand significantly better. And dude, it was awesome. It, it was way better than, than that hundred dollar climber. And so, you know, that, that's why that bullet point is in my notes is I, I should have either went scouting with that money or just saved it in general and bought the, the kind of better climber at the time. Well, so one of the things, and I'm glad that you said that because it just reminded me. So one of the things I've often said, and I, I don't know that I've said it on the podcast, but I know that I talk to guys about it, is because um, everybody wants to shave weight, shave weight, shave weight. And you're a big proponent, and it's it, it changed my mind a little bit. And I think you were talking maybe about the Lone Wolf Custom Gear doubles at the time um, when you were mentioning it on a post or something like that. But you said that, you're willing to sacrifice a little bit of weight for convenience. 
Mm-hmm. And I don't think that that can be like understated because there's so many things that, you know, might weigh less. I mean, like the use of like, I mean, I, I guess in, in the, the best sense of the word is I get a lot of questions about aiders. And so like, if you want to talk about just sheer weight, you know, maybe if you're a tall guy, I know you're a tall guy, you know, you could probably use a seven step aider or something like that because you can reach higher than the average guy. But sure. the convenience of that just doesn't like, doesn't jive for me. Right. Yeah. Y- y- yeah. And, and so, and so let's talk about like that a little bit when people are like, a, like a new guy. So, so for a new mm-hmm. guy, that's, you know, we're on the same thing, you know, you know, public land, you know, we're trying to fit into a budget We're we're bow hunting and we're going mobile and everybody wants to talk about weight, 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 weight. Let's, let's talk a little bit about that side of it, the convenience side of it. Yeah. The, the, the hunting function, if you will, because until you, you know, I, I think the, the, this guy who's getting into to, to hunting and what he might be looking through all these Facebook groups and, you know, it, it, a lot of these guys are, are, are simply weekend warriors that maybe hang, you know, two stands every Saturday and Sunday. And, and, and you know, they may go on a small rut trip, but like, you got, I, I really put value in guys that, that honestly hunt a lot or have a lot of hunting experience. Um, you know, have maybe been doing it for a season or two um, at a higher level because, you know, those are the guys that, Oh, um, uh, Dave had some muddy sticks that, that kind of popped at a time or two. And uh, we went to do a hunt. This is five, six years ago. And I said, we're not taking those sticks. You know, they, they pop, you know, not every hunt, but they make a pop noise every now and then. And, you know, that could cost us. It's a morning hunt. We're going into a bedding area, you know, so we took the XOPs, which, which, you know, we ended up, they, they were longer and they were, you know, they're, they weren't the lightest things in the world. And um, I, I really think hunting the ability to, to, mobile hunt and, and, and is like hunting function is, is a key factor that should be, um, you know, if you have a score sheet should be up there as far as a priority, because uh, you got to do it and you got to repeatedly do it. You got to do it under stress. You got to do it in the dark. Um, you got to do it with an elevated heart rate. Like what happens if you're going in on a hunt and see a good one, you know, <laughs> Uh, dude, dude, I've, I've had to set, you know, I've been setting tree stands and I've seen a buck in it with a headlamp before, you know, like, tell me that's not the most nerve wracking thing. Um, so, 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 you know, having something I can do blindfolded is, is, you know, essentially key. Uh, I, I joke, I, I still need to be able to see what I'm doing, but, um, you know, I, I can, I can do that. Uh, I'm still a stand guy. I, I, I'm, I'm not a saddle guy currently. Um, and I put on some miles and I go for some deep hunts, but I was, I was still even taking the 1.0 over the DS five because I kind of like that bigger platform being a guy who's six one and, um, you know, some of that. So uh, one of the things I wrote down here just as we were talking, so that 32 pound climber, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, for a guy that's just starting out and I think that, you know, where, you know, we've kind of said that, you know, we can sacrifice a little bit of weight for a little bit of function. Okay. Mm-hmm. Would you take uh, a 32 pound hanging hunt setup or a 32 pound saddle setup? Um, 
Or would you would you say, um, I would just not buy that and I'll hunt off the ground or or something like that? I mean, how, how do you feel uh, from that perspective? That's my only options as far as... Uh, <laughs> That's what your budget is, right? Well, well, I mean, you're, you're, this is, this is 10 years ago. Um, the only lightweight climbing sticks were, were lone wolf at the time and, and, and an alpha one. Um, and I just didn't have that kind of cash and I was, it wasn't popular either. You know, it wasn't, wasn't talked about as such a significant advantage, uh, you know, like it is today. But yeah, if, if you told me I had to have a 32 pound setup. Just I for the standing just, sticks or just for your saddle platform and your, in your sticks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Heavy sticks. I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I still think I do it. Um, whatever I, whatever tickles my fancy between the, the, the saddle or the stand sticks. And, you know, I would, I would consider it maybe if I'm on a tired evening, do I, do I still hunt that evening? Um, but let's say I'm scouting and I find something that, where, that an elevated position is, is the key. Well, better suck that shit up and, and, and pack in. <laughs> Um, because it's about killing deer, you know? Um, so, so yeah, like that's, yeah. I mean, I would still tell the guy to buy it if he could only afford it. The the great thing is today, I mean, you know, for, for $250, you can, you can be in this game for, for, you know, pretty much 20 ish pounds. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of my two senses. I would do it. Um, I think an elevated position is needed sometimes, but, if if he hunted Saturday and he was just gassed from lugging that 32 pounds up a mountain and he wanted to hunt Sunday, well, hunt on the ground, you know, go for a still hunt day. Um, you know, maybe he finds a, something that that's still hunting day that says, oh, I'm going to come back here Wednesday after that rainstorm and, and set up, you know, here it looks like there's a lot of activity going on. And then that day he chooses to bring in 32 pound setup again. So uh, another thing, uh, just, from that standpoint is uh, I, I wanted to ask you because it's a question that I, that I ask guys, uh, but I get asked a lot, you know, because when people are saying, you know, it, it always goes back to like the aider question, right? So like, what kind of aider can you run with these or what kind of aider do you use or what kind of, you know, I want to buy this and I want to buy these aiders, you know, uh, I want to talk to you specifically um, about hunting height, just simply because of, you know, the buck that you killed this year, the company you keep where Cody DeQuisto is a two stick guy or, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and I want to like kind of reiterate to guys that are trying to figure out, you know, in this, you know, a hundred dollar plus stick game, right. They're Mm -hmm. like, well, I need four and then I need eighters and then I need this. And I'm like, you got to understand there's guys out there that are killing, you know, deer that you would shoot they're passing deer that you would shoot every day you know eight feet off the ground whatever so i want to talk a little bit about hunting height just because you know you're a a great candidate to have that discussion sure sure yeah i mean uh, generally i walk around the timber in farm country with either two two long sticks or uh three doubles um and then if I go to the big woods, uh, you know, that's a, a little bit more of like oh, bigger hills. And like if a deer takes a trail like ten, literally 10 yards above you, he could be eye level at 20 some feet. Um, so so I, I tend to take more sticks there just because that that needs to happen. But uh, I yeah, over the past couple of years, obviously spending time with Cody, I, I now have the confidence and have killed 
oh let's see here what, what is it 2020 um 2018 i killed a buck two sticks and two steps high uh so right around 10 12 foot mark and then last year though i was hunting big woods and i was four full long sticks with like two eighters um you know i was probably 20 plus foot you know somewhere 20 25 foot you know because that's that's what the set called for and then this year i literally don't even know if i needed a stick i actually jumped off the stand after i shot a buck but i was like three foot off the off the ground <laughs> and so how do you do that i mean like so these guys that are so hung up on like i mean like we said you know prior to talking like i have the benefit i guess of uh, talking to John Eberhart all the time. And so he wants to be 25 to 30 feet up all the time. So, mm-hmm. you know, and guys that subscribe to that, you know, or the guys that have um, made that part of their, their hunting community, or that's what they've based themselves on, you know, they, that's what they hear. That's what they need to be is super high. So how are you killing bucks at three feet or, you know, how's Zach killing yeah, bucks off like, the ground or, you know, whatever. Yeah, I've I've come close off the ground, I uh, but I've not pulled it fully off. I hit one in Indiana two years ago. I never found, or maybe three years ago, never found. But the the hunting low, um, I think I think it plays into to a few things. One setup's got to be there as far as you got to have either back cover, a lot of front around you type cover. Yeah, maybe the habitat works for your advantage as far as I've I've hunted in a thicket. And so these deer are coming through honeysuckle or autumn olive type bushes. And so their head is always kind of low. And it's almost like when they're out there at 15, 20 yards, they can hardly see me. But once they get to about five, they're going to stare at me, you know, scarecrowed in this, this setup. But uh, I don't move a lot. I'm, I'm very good at, at spotting deer oh, at, at, at a little bit of a distance before they close to that final killable opportunity. I... Uh, I now have the confidence now that I've killed a few too to to set that stand low and and kind of play the game. I tend to when I hunt low, uh, I don't try and cover everything. I try to cover maybe two two let's call it two trails or or, or two kill scenarios. Um, this year in particular, I had a uh, was I in a beech tree? No, the tree I uh, I was in was I think some sort of oak or maple blah blah, blah but like like within two feet of that tree there was three beech trees or yeah three beech trees and beech trees hold their leaves late they got a lot of leaves in general and so like i had like a mini tree fort situation so that just that called for it um i i I think hunting low obviously i'm here in the midwest i do think you know maybe in michigan or um down in the south where where these deer maybe get hunted more you know you guys have more hunter density especially the southern end they might be looking in trees a lot more. And so if, if you were hunting low, you better have the best cover on the block. But, um, you know, those deer might tend to look up a, a touch more. And so I could see where uh, it may not be as a, an effective method. Or if you're hunting a lot of elevation change, like I said, I hunt the big woods. And mo- I would say most of those setups don't call for it. This year it did. But let's talk in general terms. It, it, it doesn't work as well. Uh, you know, the, those woods tend to be a little more open. Yeah, I mean, it's hit or miss. I mean, like, so our property in the UP, um, I hunted one year out of a climber, and I was, if you were to look to my immediate left, uh, my shot was uh, 
maybe like a 70 foot shot. <laughs> yeah. Um, and if you were to look to my immediate right, it was about a seven foot shot. And, and yeah. so that's where I learned that when you're hunting in that, those ridges are like, that it wasn't hill country. It was just a piece of our property that I'd never been on. And I was like, oh, this is the tree I need to be in. I climbed up and the deer and I were literally eye to eye. And I felt like the bucks that were running by, I could have grabbed their antlers. Um, but then, you know, fast forward a few years, I was in uh, three full length XOP sticks and I, I killed a buck that, you know, still one of my favorite stories ever, um, at 14 yards. And I was at the top of that second stick. So I wasn't 10 feet off the ground, mm -hmm. um, but it was because I was in a cedar tree and it was just the tree that I needed to be in. Um, and I couldn't, I, I put the third stick up there and I couldn't get any higher. Um, but I think like, again, like as we talk about social media and like, we talk about like these sticks come in three packs or four packs and should I buy four and should I buy three? And, um, you know, all, all of these things, it's like, you know, you need to be where you need to be. And it doesn't matter if you need to be on the ground. I mean, that may be where you need to be. You may bring all your stuff in and you need to be sitting there on the ground. Or, you know, when I was in Missouri, same thing. I was 30 plus feet up in the tree for that same reason as I was like 80 feet to my left, but I was eight feet to my right. And so I was trying to, you know, split the difference as far as like where I needed to be. Um, yeah. And so from that um, budget minded setup, you know, we've kind of talked about like bows, we've talked about like um, standing sticks or platform saddle, you know, how, however you want to do it. What about like, you know, I mean, obviously you have to see the value in that, you know, five or $600 Sitka Fanatic jacket and, you know, all of the research that went into it in their pants, right? So you've got that $1,200 suit, correct? So, look, I will say this. I don't own any Sitka, but, but I think what Sitka is doing is awesome in the sense that if, if they put in a lot of, like, needs for a whitetail hunter into their gear i can I, I i appreciate the shit out of it um i think maybe if the pattern was a little i don't know different i would maybe even own some um you know i i uh i own a kuyu backpack that's just you know that's kind of my high end i've, I've owned some kuyu. do i own any kuyu that sounds so looking at your notes that you sent me that seems like a sticking point that seems like a thorn in your side yeah 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 now i so so i well and i am a real big asap predator type camo guy or like some of the open pattern stuff um mm -hmm. i like I, I i i like that kind of style slash science of of what a a predator a prey species sees and trying to just break up the human outline over um look like a fake stick like the real trees and mossy oaks i'm i'm not a huge fan of, of those patterns for whatever reason um you know i i kind of gravitate to more of i'll call it the predator style the open pattern design um, but yeah i don't own any sika but i think it's super cool um you know but for a guy just getting into it i mean he might just do fine with a uh, earth tone like carhartt insulated hoodie you know because it's quiet um he might already own that 
Um, and then it, I'm a real big, I don't, I, I don't spend a lot of money on base layers, which everyone claims is like the be all end all because yeah, and part of my gear kick, if you will, is dude, most whitetail hunts, I'm 45 minutes from my vehicle at max. Um, you know, maybe an hour ish. I don't hunt like Appalachia, Virginia mountains, like, uh, Nathan Killen. Like I could see if you were doing some backcountry style hunts where base layers and clothing gears is definitely a lot more important because if you get wet and can't get dry, it's a, a potentially life or death situation. I'm not foolish enough to think that. Um, but, but for a whitetail guy, I'm, I'm most of the time 45 minutes from the truck. And so, so yeah, like I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm okay with guys going to the, the, the GI surplus place buying, you know, a pair of BDU uh, pants and that's his light whitetail pant. Um, and even if he's already got like, you know, some, some Carhartt like, or, or earth Tony type vests or, or whatever, use those to, to, to kind of go bow hunting. If you will, I don't think camo is, is make or break. Um, you know, from a standpoint of that, um, I like fleeces too. Cause I like a, a quiet impact. I don't sit in the rain all that much. I'll, I'll wear a poncho in if it's raining and then going to stop. I'll, I'll wear a disposable military, I'll buy them at Walmart, two ninety nine poncho, get to the base of my tree or be sitting there in the woods kind of in tent mode. And then the rain stops and I know I got to get in the tree cause they're about to move, but I'll dispose of that poncho at that point. Man, I wish I thought about that. Like, like, I, and it, you know, granted, like we do a podcast, but I wish like I, I listen to a lot of podcasts and I, I'm always trying to improve, you know, and I listen to guys and I, I wish I would have known more about that movement because I can think of one hunt where I was set up on this like community scrape, like right outside of this bedding area. Like I knew where bucks were bedded um, and I was in the tree and then it started raining and it rained like for like three hours and I sat there just getting a rain down. And then finally, as my boots started to fill up from the rain running down me and into my boots and, uh, when my boots like reached like the tipping point, like where they were about to overflow, I was like, I'm getting down. It's done. And it was that exact 30, 45 minute walk out. And as soon as I got out, um, it stopped raining and I was like, mm-hmm. I, I needed to be in there. Like I should have just stuck it out and like, you know, that's a whole nother podcast, but like the movement oh, the, right after the rain, like, <laughs> yeah, there's nothing colder than my opinion. Like, like then like 35 to 50 and rainy, like, you know, generally in the fall you have cooler temps and it, but if it's not, you know, if it's not, if it's not, if it's above freezing, that, that whole 40 degrees and raining is the most miserable of all time. Like, like I would take 20 degrees in dry or 10 degrees in snow over 40 in rain. But it was like one of those days where it was supposed to rain for 30 minutes. And I was like, I can stick it out for 30 <laughs> minutes, you know, and it just kept raining and kept raining. And finally, when I just threw my hands up, like as soon as I got to the truck and of course, everywhere that I hunt has no service for anything at all. Um, sure. That that's what the story was. And it was like, it was like, that's one of those days where I like, I'm like, Man, these guys that are like legit hardcore, like I'm like, I'm like, I'm sticking it out. I'm like, I can do this. I can do this. And it was like three hours was too much. And it was, it was like, as soon as I got back, like the whitetail God said, you don't have enough. Like, it's not, 
this isn't your game, you know. <laughs> so it's it's just it's just one of those things. Now, I'll say, you know, I'm I'm looking on your thing and your in your uh, the notes here, and you're talking about like you know base layers and stuff like that. Like one of the things that I do, not that necessarily that I do, but my mother in law is like a big um, secondhand store person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I told her I said, you go look and you i've killed my two biggest bucks in michigan wearing a three dollar like legit like um mock turtleneck sweater but it's merino wool and it costs like a dollar 99 um and it's like one of my well it was my wife uh shrunk it in the washing machine and so it's now it's my daughter's favorite hunting sweater, but it was my favorite hunting sweater by far. And it cost like a dollar. It was Merino wool. I mean, it says like made in Italy, like Merino wool, the whole thing. And I killed my two biggest bucks in Michigan, like all sweated up, like gross, like playing in the wind in a $1 Goodwill sweater. So I know on here it says that you're not a big, like, base layer guy you'd rather have like higher end like outerwear yeah um, yeah like if you said hey you've got 150 dollars to to devote to some you know if you, our our guy here our, our our dude who's getting into bow hunting maybe he has like some 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 darker hoodies that he could rock for like more of a early october type of uh jacket system you know if he said oh i've only got 150 dollars i would I'd probably steer him towards, okay, maybe, uh, dude, I've, I shot, I've shot bucks in Costco synthetic base layers that, like you said, they're four, they're $4, um, and then, you know, I, there's a predator micro fleece style jacket with wind blocker for like 120, I think on their website right now. Like that's, that's a hundred percent where I'd send him or, you know, um, I'm sure there's a couple other companies with, with, with similar type garments. Well, I'll tell you, like, so, I mean, honestly, like, right now I'm wearing, like, uh, it's, like, 100% polyester, uh, Sitka Strata pattern, or not Sitka, I'm sorry, uh, Cabela's Strata pattern um, hoodie. It zips up, it, it's, like, it, it's, it was $19.99. Um, I've killed the last two bucks that I've killed this year and last year, I was wearing this as my outer layer. Um, Mm -hmm. and I tend to, I, so I really like Badland stuff. Like, yeah, yeah, they're attacking the whitetail community. So that's kind of cool to see, but I love their stuff because until John was videoing me when we were in Idaho, like stalking in on this whitetail, um, you know, the pattern looks ridiculous. Like I'm, I'm not gonna lie. It looks silly. Um, See, I, I think, dude, you, you put somebody out there, kind of skyline, especially with that browner white kind of mm-hmm. look that they have. I, I'm not 100 percent FX. Yeah, they have both. They have, they have the green one and the and the brown one. But yeah, like I could see where where that that could really break up, uh, especially once you get a little skylined a little bit. But they have uh, the warranty is like what i think like that to me like i think the value there and and like Mm -hmm. i'd love to work with badlands i don't work with them but i own all their stuff because yes somebody out there put us a call and we're free agents (laughs) (laughs) 
but <laughs> but I love their stuff because of the because of the warranty and like mm-hmm. I I've I own so much stuff and I've not had any issues with any of it. Like I the, I bought their pursuit pack. It was small. I didn't like it because it didn't have a waist belt. And I got rid of it, but it didn't have anything to do with the quality or, or whatever. And I'm telling you what, they they updated their ion pants. I need to get the new ones, but I beat the shit out of their regular ion pants. I've, I mean, I've done two trips out west. I've done like turkey hunting, freaking whitetail hunting, everything that I could freaking throw at them. And I have one loose thread. And yeah. I mean, it's, I think that the, the value there, and they do, I mean, like what to your point like what you were saying like on uh black friday and i I, so if i remember correctly you're an accountant i think it goes Mm -hmm. like quarterly so i don't know if it's like third quarter or fourth quarter but they do this big 50 percent off sale like they put throw a code out there that's 50 percent off so i mean you can buy their stuff for nothing um yeah comparatively and then the lifetime warranty i will say this I think we should back up. We just mentioned a uh, oh cheaper options and kind of what I'll call non hunting mm-hmm. garments to wear. The um, the one thing that kind of scares me that I think is worth mentioning is is UV uh, treatment of what I'll call like these uh, these these solid colors because you know it's kind of been proven that animals to to whatever spectrum from fish to deer see in that UV spectrum a little better, especially than humans. And a lot of these companies put uv dyes in their clothes and so oh there's 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 some you know i I would think after several washes that starts to break down but i know there is also oh there there, there's uh some sort of sport type washes that also kill that stuff um and that's definitely like you know you see guys that trick their bows out from like joanne fabric craft stores with all these fake leaves (laughs) and stuff i don't think that's the best idea because a lot of those have uv paints all over them um, but, but I will, you know, I will mention that, uh, as something that when I, if I, if I wear a pair of like Carhartt pants, I tend to, to treat them with that UV killer stuff, just in case there is, um, any sort of dyes in them that, that maybe I don't see, but, but even squirrels maybe would pick up on and be chirping a little more because they, they see it, you know, in that UV spectrum better than we do. So I got a question for you. I mean, I've yeah. got more stuff here on the the gear side of it and look whatever but just because you brought that up i got two questions for you or i sure so on my left here um if anybody's seen like the vitals live or anything like the my setup in the basement like i've got my 150 inch ohio buck over here i killed out of a climber and i was you know sprayed down with everything under the sun you know we all been there. <laughs> it was, but both these deer that I, I'm referencing, like I use scents. Like uh, if I'm in the rut, like and I'm in a spot where I know that deer are going to be wind checking, like I'm generally using scents because I've I've had success, and that's just I mean I've I've killed them outside of that, but I know that it's it's worked for me, so it's just something that I'm going to do. So this monster over here that I. Sh- basically thought I shot in the face. Um, <laughs> he came into scent, but I was sprayed down and I was like in scent lock, like head to toe. And then this 105 inch Michigan whitetail, the biggest whitetail I've killed in, Mi- in Michigan on my right. I was like literally 
sweating, like pouring sweat out, like wearing, you know, whatever. I had a grease stained uh, hat on, like it's like the most disgusting hat that I own, but now it's like my lucky hat because I've killed multiple deer in it. Had some scent out. I was playing the wind on both of them. But like when you talk about that UV thing, are you a proponent of like the sprays, the UV killers or the scent killers of, of, of that side of, uh, you know, the whitetail hunting marketing game or is it? No, I mean, I wash my clothes like maybe three times a season in sport wash, which says it like has UV killer, but like, dude, I've done the baking soda thing. My, my big thing is, is I'm not going to, I'm not going to make a, a, a mobile Turkey blind or, put Joanne fabric and fake leaves on my bow or something like that. Um, I don't, you know, I I just, if a guy's going to buy something that's aftermarket, I don't think that's a terrible idea, but nobody fully knows, you know, what the whitetail truly sees. But I think there's enough semi science out there to, to consider maybe washing. If you buy something that's non hunting, wash it or treat it with some, some sort of UV killer, because I think those companies do, you know, tend to use threads and stuff with UV brighteners in them to kind of make them appear brighter, more appealing and last longer. Okay. Like I said, I I wasn't like saying like, you're wrong. Look at, look at my wall. No, no, I got no idea. (laughs) That's that's my two cents on it. But dude, yeah, like I don't, dude, I wash my clothes like three times a a season and and that's, that's minimal. But I think, I think like that, that like stands to the point is like, I know I, I don't know exactly where you're hunting or any of that type of thing, but I know the terrain that you're hunting and I know how far you're going. Cause I mean, even the layman could watch your videos and know that like, that's not a pleasant pack out. Right. No, so, no. Yeah. So, um, I think my stuff's enough transparent that, that people see the it sucks factor because I'm big on that because I watched a lot of hunting TV in the, the 2000s that doesn't show the it sucks. And, you know, my hunt is very different from, from Lee Lukowski's, that's for sure. Right. But if you're if you're going in that far, you're not going in there without sweating or without, yeah. you know, with without some sort of uh, uh, obstacles or, or, or whatever, you know. Exactly. I mean. You might go the last, uh, and for all the listeners and for everybody that's followed along and, and, and seen like what I have done and how I've progressed as a hunter, like I know I, I posted this and, and Byron was like, oh, you know, that's, appreciate that or, or like whatever. But I just want to say it like on here, like the, I killed my deer this year because of our guest right here. Um, Byron, he, I don't know if it was a podcast or one of his videos or one of the deer that he's killed in the breakdown. Um, but he talked about like following the sign back far enough until it got thick enough that he didn't think that he could set up in or, or whatever. I don't remember the exact scenario, but he just kept going further and further and further until, he knew that this is where he needed to be. And, uh, the deer that I killed this year, um, that's exactly what it was. Like there's, there was sign for Jesus, 500 yards. And if you were 500 yards back from where I killed this deer, um, 
there was way more sign than where I killed this deer. But where I killed this deer is where it started to get thick and the sign kind of petered off. And I know we had jumped bucks out of there before. So I felt like this is, this is the, the crux. Like this is, this is the, this end. Is the ambush point. Yep. And I mean, it, that's exactly what happened. And it was, I would have never, I mean, I killed a smaller buck there last year or whatever, but like I didn't put everything together until, like I said, like listening to these podcasts and doing these things. And, and, uh, that was a big part of it. And that is what I took away from like the things that you had said, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that was exactly what happened. I mean, he was coming back to bed late and I killed him. I mean, yeah. and it, he stood there for a long time. Like I just got lucky and saw him just standing there looking around, making sure that it was safe. And, Apparently you thought it was safe enough, but it wasn't. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's awesome. I mean, that's what it's all about. That's what I, I mean, I love that kind of, kind of talk. I love that kind of breakdown and, and yeah, the, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's very easy to talk yourself into, oh, this looks good enough. I'm going to hunt here tonight or here this morning when, when, you know, my, my favorite saying is do what's hard and do what's right. And sometimes that, that is continuing to push on and, and, and not settle. Uh, so, so yeah, that's awesome, man. I, I didn't know that. Uh, very humbled to hear that. And, uh, <laughs> that's a, that's a cool story for sure. And, and we, we may discuss after this podcast a little more on that. So, so that's cool. But I mean, that was really it. I mean, it, it was like, I knew like exactly where I needed to be because I knew where all, we had been in there earlier and I saw where everything stopped and I said, okay, well, Here's a main trail. Here's the, here's where I need to be. And, and that's it. So like from that perspective, from the scouting perspective, from the, you know, we, we talked about this prior to the podcast, we talked about like, all right, so all these forums have uh Facebook, right? So mm-hmm. not, not the forums per, per se, because if you're on the forum, you're like, I feel like you're next level because it they used to be. Well, no, but I mean, like, I feel like the forums, like if you are not on the Facebook forum, if you're okay, on the yeah. hunting beast or if you're, I mean, if whitetail experience started a forum, um, you would have to seek that out and find it. And you wouldn't necessarily be looking for the gear talk. You would want the nuts and the bolts of it. Mm-hmm. So, um, from, from that perspective, like we've kind of all fallen into this, this gear, you know, it's gotta be stand. It's gotta be sticks. It's gotta be saddle. It's gotta be platform. It's gotta be the lightest. It's gotta be like what rope it's gotta be like, should we mod this? Should we do that? Um, but from that tactic side of it, like, where do you think like your money should be spent? So if you had in, in this, I think is a realistic number for, this this guy right this this public land guy this mobile hunting guy this this married guy couple kids like whatever so if you had twenty four hundred dollars a year two hundred dollars a month and you were going to budget your your whole time your whole um you know your dollars everything from january 
to December to budget it. Oh, this I, is cool. I think, I mean, I, did you hear me getting a paper? <laughs> I think how and I think when would you spend your money? Because you got to spend, you got to buy tags. You have to take into consideration. Oh, tags are important too. Well, if, if gotta, he's not experienced, he may not fill the first one. So. But you got to think about, um, you know, we're, we're looking at when hunting season is. We have to mm-hmm. look at when Black Friday is. We have to look at Christmas. We have to yep. look at. You know, we have to look at 12 months, $200 a month. Would you spend $2,400 in January and say, No, because something something may come out. Okay. So how would you, how would you go about this? Um, okay. We're going to start this whole process in January. We don't have a bow, correct? Well, we'll say, we'll say that you're coming off of, um, private land. So you might have some. Uh, permanent sticks and maybe a $30 hang on stand. Maybe you have a bow, um, that has, uh, the movable, like say four copper pins that you can move up and down. Um, we had a junk bow. Okay. <laughs> no release. Uh, you know, that that's where you're coming from. Okay. Okay. Um, and we don't, do we have access to that private anymore now? Nope. You're, you're okay. strictly public. All right. And we got 2,400 or you want to make it 2000? Nope. I want $200 a month. Okay. Okay. Um, and we, we start. Okay. So we got $200 a month. It's January. So it's a month ago. ago. You're going to hunt public land. You've never done anything. And you're talking gas. You're talking scouting. Yep. You're talking. Yep. Trail cameras, the whole works. Okay. We do not have any trail cams. Uh, you got, you have two, but they're not cell cell cams. You have okay. two no, in cards. Perfect. You don't have any perfect. batteries. They're they're so Jan- Yeah, January. Uh, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna let's see here. I don't want to burn too much money early. I, I'd rather be sitting here September time frame and have a, a lump sum of cash. So so this is just me speaking out loud. Let's uh let's do. Four, um, let's do four scouts. There's four weekends in January. And, you know, I don't care if this guy can only go for the first two hours of daylight and then he's got to get back home to take his daughter to swim lessons. Um, you know, or maybe he can go after work if he can walk two miles or seven. I don't care. Let's, let's, let's go ahead and pencil in here. Um, four scouts. So let's call that $20 a day. That's 80 ish bucks. Uh, I'm, I'm a fan of round numbers. Let's say he buys lunch, which he shouldn't do. Let's, let's call that a hundred dollars spent, um, there in January. So a hundred dollars gone. February comes around. Um, that's currently the month we're in. Um, we had some snowstorms. What does he buy? Um, Knowing what I know, and I don't know too much about saddles. Uh, was there any sales that I can think of? I'm going to push pause on that. I'm going to tell him to get the XOP Vanish, and we'll, we'll just use that. I, I think it's on the website, 180 to 150-ish mark. Maybe he buys it used. Because um, there is a lot of going on on the used sites these days, so let's pencil in. Oh, just for conversation's sake, one eighty. We'll, we'll we'll spot that one a little high. 
Um, so we've blown, blown just shy of $300 at this point. Um, do we do any scouting in February? Let's get, let's let, get two more. Let, go ahead. Let's say that he buys into the hype for the shed hunting. So he's like, I need to get out shed hunting. Now, whether yep. that's in February or March, like that's, that's end of the equation because that's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the top I was gonna... of it. Yeah, I was going to give him two weekends in the uh, scouts uh, in February, so like fifty percent of them, and then March. Let's do, let's 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 assess, and and so because because generally, like, so I live in Ohio. You guys can't scout as much as I can because um, you guys are still in the snow. I know that enough from speaking to guys in Wisconsin <laughs> and Michigan. So so so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm we got those from big Ohio, <laughs> Ohio, Kentucky, probably Southern Illinois. Uh, Northern Illinois gets a lot of snow, but Southern Illinois is probably a little uh, less. Um, so yeah, so 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 let's throw in two scouts there. So another forty dollars there in February. Um, March, March is a big time. Hmm. You got shows. Mm. You got um, yeah, and he might be able to pick up like a, a good deal. Um, you know, it shows uh, traditionally not in a COVID year, just, you know, I think a lot of the expos are canceled, but yeah, a lot of times you can get good deals. It shows, um, we're going to spend some money in March. I think let's, let's go with some sort of, um, whether it be a guy off Facebook marketplace or a show special or whatever, let's pencil in like $150. He's got to find himself some sort of outer garment type bow hunting jacket that that's versatile, you know, something that's more for November to, to, to January time period. And I'm, I'm it, thinking it, one of the, go ahead. I would say, what would be your recommendation for that? Yeah, that's that dude. No brainer for me is that predator micro fleece. You can pick whatever pattern tickles your fancy. Um, it's got wind blocker. You can bow hunt with that thing in layers up to late season. Um, that that's probably my go-to, I get that question a decent amount in the DMs. Hey, I'm looking for a better, you know, do all bow hunting jacket from November to January. And, and that's the one I recommend. So let's pencil that 150 ish. So I think that's, I think that's on the website for like 120, 130. But maybe this guy wants to buy the QU version or whatever. So, so let's just pencil in 150. That's a nice round number. Um, March, we're probably going to, let's do a 50% scout. And let's get a rough total for the quarter at this point. I'm doing the accounting math here. That's 200, 300, 450. So I'm just south of $500 through the first quarter, I think. Um, at this point, Adam, it's looking like this guy could upgrade his bow if he wanted to buy like the, the, that icon or, or, or something of that nature. But that may open a can of worms of, of arrows. Um, I don't think we're going to buy that just at this point. In the summer, let's go ahead and pencil in June, July, and August. I got my notes here. Let's pencil in. He's got to get sticks. We've got to stand at this point. We need some sort of stick. So whether it's... Uh, uh, a Hawk four pack for like whatever it was like one fifteen ish or like XOP has talked about their doubles. I gotta believe those are going to be a great price point. Well, um, here here's the thing. Like I bought I bought both of those. Um, I bought the uh, four pack of uh, Hawks off Camel mm-hmm. Fire for a hundred bucks, and yeah. I bought 
the uh, Black Friday special of um, XOP four pack doubles at a hundred bucks a piece. So, well, the XOP double. Oh, yeah. XOP. I meant the two step that's coming out this summer. Okay. The the yeah those yeah those could be killer. Hey, uh, we nobody knows about those. So I mean, if you well, you've yeah, got inside information, them. yeah, they talked about <laughs> we talked about them on the, the recent the Quisto series podcast. Uh, two like just over two pounds, like two point one. They might come in right at two pounds. Um, pretty similar step design, but yeah, I gotta believe price point wise, I'm not allowed to, to disclose that at this time. But but uh, I I gotta believe those are going to be in the conversation. What what other there, there's a are there any other sticks between 100 and 150 that a guy can pick up a four pack for? Um, uh, a four pack? No, I mean you only have the 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 hawk doubles or um. Like the closest thing right now is the the new uh, Novix that are coming out, the double steps that are yeah. going to be like yeah. right about two hundred bucks. But I mean, I'm a giant proponent of the the APIs, and they're like a it's such a weird thing because they only come out like right before the season, and they sell out mm-hmm. immediately. They come out at ninety nine dollars. They immediately put them down to 79 bucks for a, a three pack and you have to buy them right then. But mm-hmm. you talk about no moving parts that, that pop you were talking about with the muddies. Like, yep. I mean, they're an amazing stick, but they're from the account they're, side. They're, of it, they're a little bit tougher to get, get a but, hold of the Hawks. The Hawks, you, you pretty much can sit for once a month on camo fire and pick up. Yeah. But, but from the accountant side of it, they say, we're only going to make this amount of sticks. We're going to put them out right now. We're going to sell yeah. as many as we can at $99. And then we're going to sell them. And then when they're gone, they're gone. Uh, yeah. and we're going to count on this amount of money every year. Like, and yeah. that's what so, they do. Let's pencil in, in the summer, by the end of the summer, he's got to pick up $150 in sticks. So he can buy whatever ones he, tickles his fancy or is you know his buddies talking into he's, so he's gonna buy two lone wolf custom gear doubles and he's gonna kill like byron horton that's what he's that's his plan. <laughs> <laughs> but then but then he misses out on half half the box well uh, but not, no no i don't think i would steer somebody newish to that route you know you know you don't want to give the, the somebody the keys to uh uh, the, the, you know, the, the Cadillac, you don't toss those keys to the 16 year old. You let him drive the old Chevy Malibu. That's, you know, 10 years old mom CRV, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> so we're going to put 150 bucks. He can buy whatever sticks he wants. We're doing pretty well here. Um, doing some rough math. We've got, we got some play money. I, I it looks like, uh, you gave me a substantial chunk of change. That's for sure. But he still needs clothes. Hawks. He needs, you know. We well, we bought one outer layer, right? Um, I, I put one hundred and fifty. What in about for those June. first light arrow wool, like three quarter length zip off underwear? Dude, those are sweet, and I'm <laughs> dude. I hate base layers that don't zip off. I don't own a pair, but I want a pair. But dude, I'm t- I'm sending this guy currently because this guy may retire halfway through the year when he realizes <laughs> bow hunting is hard. So. We're gonna. Well, this guy's rocking Costco base layers, um, or or uh, black Ovis. You know the, the the camo fire special. 
We'll put in July. He, he's allowed to spend a hundred dollars on base layers, tops and bottoms. That's what I give as gifts, right? Like that camel yeah. fire stuff, that black over stuff is great. Dude, I mean, it really I is. I got a five year uh, shirt out of that thing. Like, and it's still kicking. It's probably my favorite. Um, so yeah, yeah. We're going to put in July. We're putting a hundred dollars in base layers. Um, let's call it, uh, uh, he's going to need one pair of good wool socks. Um, we'll pencil in $30 there. Um, August comes around. Oh, this guy, does this guy have boots? Well, he has boots, but he's got questions because of all of the social media. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. I got, I know I'm somewhere around the 500, 650, 700. 730. So I, I've, I've spent less than $800 at this point. I, I was trying to get this guy a bow too. Um, but I'm, I'm waiting. Uh, although you, you don't want to wait much later in August if you're going to buy a bow. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but if he, bow. if, if he has the blueprint, he could buy it in January mm-hmm. and understand where his money is being spent. So, yeah, that is true. Um, and I was basically, yeah, yeah. I, uh, what kills deer? So this guy has a set of, um, we're just going to say, uh, just a regular pair of muck. Oh yeah. Boots. That's what, that, that's what he's got. That's what he's been hunting out of. Yeah. So he, he needs a pair of boots. Like I'm something you, you, and he probably should buy this earlier if he's going to do all this walking around because literally after the, uh, First two scouting missions, he's going to realize his feet probably hurt from stomping them muck boots around. Um, if he's somewhere, you know, here in the Midwest, or maybe he's doing some hills. Um, so he probably should buy boots some point in the year. Um, I don't want to go backwards too much and, and lose our li- listeners, but um, I think I think boot wise, you know, I, I've owned some some eighty hundred dollar boots, and they'll last a season or two. I think those that that you know, I buy some hikers now that are a touch better. Um, especially for the whitetail guy, you know, I think 150 is pretty, pretty good. That's what I bought my Keens at. Uh, um, you know, what, what Keens do you have? I have the Duran twos. They're just, you know, a a traditional hiker. Um, I have a pair of Solomons that that I like too, but they're a little stiffer. And which ones are those? Those are the GTXs. But those are $200 and I, you know, this guy, I think can get away with $150 and Keen makes some other cheaper hiker style boots. I think, uh, Danner has some decent options in that 150 range. Uh, Dave has a pair of their pronghorns and he's beat the, beat the piss out of those. Well, let me interject Um, real quick on the Keens because it says you're a, a Keen guy. Like, so when I was going out West, I ended up buying the, um, uh, Solomon, uh, quest gtx fours and okay. uh, they're three hundred dollar boots um but okay. right before those and and the gtx threes are two hundred dollar boots like you said yep. um, okay but where i looked was on the like through hiker like they were like true like legitimate hiking like guys that are putting you know two to 300 miles on these boots in one year. They're going the whole entire mm-hmm. Appalachian trail. And so Frank, my father-in-law, uncle Frank for the podcast, um, bought the Targi threes or something. They were like 90 bucks. And, uh, he wore those all through Colorado. He still wears them today. I mean, they're waterproof. They're 
Keens. They're amazing boots. You spent less than a hundred dollars on them, and they're Dude, an that's amazing. That's a pro tip right there. Yeah, that's I a mean, pro tip. Like uh, I'm gonna actually. You said it's the the tongue or Targi. say the name of that month. Targi. Targi. I'm yep. uh, I'm putting this down on my paper because. But that was no, like the I, number one value on the like Appalachian Trail through hiker boot. Mm-hmm. Okay, and if it fits the guy's foot right, that's the key. You know, everyone's got a little different foot, and, and somebody's looking for something different. I, but but it sounds like he he put those through the test. It sounds like you did your research to to find others posting similar results. So. I uh, I think that's the gold stamp. I you know what I think we're gonna use that recommendation on this this uh, this pencil in here in August. We're gonna buy a hundred dollar pair of boots, and I think we're gonna get a bow for this guy. You know, if we really wanted to pinch pennies and kill deer, I think I would I, I would really hesitate about buying a bow. But um, I can tell you where I'd point him. I yeah, mean. yeah, yeah. Let's uh, uh, let. I, I, I think money wise, I'm I'm feeling like six hundred ish dollars gives him a lot Ooh. of money. Ooh, that's I mean, so let me just tell you a little story here yeah. about yeah. A, a man named Adam. All right, so the carbon Zion, the the mm-hmm. bow that we're giving away is six hundred and fifty dollars for a brand new. It's got the new binary Bowtech, the same carbon mm-hmm. icon cams they changed the riser just a hair but prior to that that riser has been used since like 2013 on the carbon night now the carbon mm-hmm. night had really old like really radical cams and that bow weighs 3.4 pounds okay mm-hmm. that bow is still used uh that riser was used on like the carbon deploy which is the diamond which is the bastard child of bowtech right it's the same riser same limbs just a little bit different cam so you can buy that deploy or that deploy sb which is the upgraded binary camps that's the b Mm -hmm. um for nothing so you can buy that deploy sb used at probably four hundred dollars for the bare bow and yeah it is everything that the carbon icon is, and it's going to be very similar to the carbon Zion, except for uh, the molding of the uh, actual grip. And the cams change every year. Diamond uses the lesser of the cams, but even the diamond um, deploy that I have mm-hmm. does not have the super radical cams. It has the comfort setting on a regular non-adjustable cam so yeah you can buy that bow for dirt cheap and it's a incredible value it's a great bow yeah and you you can get a pretty good you know some of the second tier bear packages sometimes for the five hundred dollar mark um um, even like the matthews halon i think right now on the used market is around the five hundred dollar mark well, um, and that the if you wanted to go like we've got some listeners that are going to like the Matthews No Cam, I mean you can buy those for three or four hundred dollars like yeah, straight away. But that's that wasn't one of the most loved bows of Matthews of all time. But, but it doesn't I, I, ha- I, it it doesn't have the same like speed, but it has the comfort, and that's like mm-hmm. one of the balances. I mean, it's a little harder to tune, right? Yeah, yeah. 
So, yeah, there's plenty of bows out there at that $500 mark. So let's oh, yeah. go ahead and pencil in uh, uh, some sort of either used bow or maybe some of the budget-friendly options, $500 bow. Bottom line, this dude, if this bow is like, you know, from 2000 and maybe it doesn't fit him 100%, um, you know, I've fallen victim to that. Actually, my very first bow I bought from a bow shop in Kansas because somebody knew the owner that I, I knew. And um, it was probably half inch too short on a single cam, and I didn't have enough money to do it. And I shot that bow short you know, for a year and killed one, one, four, and I think two, three deer with it. But this guy, you know, let's, he's going to get a noticeable upgrade at the $500 mark. Um, he's probably still going to rock that whisker biscuit. That's probably a good choice of, of, of not spending money and getting a better rest, but let's get a, he'll probably need arrows if he buys a bow. So, so August is definitely an expensive or somewhere in the summer, you know, um, it's probably an expensive output of cash. Um, five hundred dollar bow. How much in arrows do we want to pencil in here? A hundred ish, or do you? I'd think say hundred fifty. I'd say a hundred dollars okay. in arrows. And what do you do for um broadheads? Now, and and, and I guess yeah. where do you stand on the? Uh, are you going to high FOC? Are you going like Ranch Ferry for sure? Or you? I mean, how um, are I'm this? not full full blown like seven hundred grain arrow, but um, you know, you talked about hunting low. Something I do set myself up for is I'm I'm 30 inch draw 550 ish grains. Uh, I'm I'm shooting a fixed blade. Uh, I've got the day six. I've got also I've got some slick tricks that fly really good. And then, um, but I as a budget friendly, I, I like that QADXs. I think is a good head. Slick tricks are a good head. Um, they're not as strong as blades. Uh, Magnus, the Black Hornet, that's a that's a no-brainer there. But when you hunt low like I do, you tend to have a lot of quarter two type opportunities, um, which I'm not afraid of. Um, Jared Scheffler talks about he loves those quarter two and frontal opportunities on the ground. So being low, that that sh- that shot angle gets that you know, it happens, but you know it's not the worst thing if you if you're prepared. Um. So, so that's kind of where I said those are a few, uh, you know, the QAD Exodus, Slicktrix, and and Magnus. Those are those are all in that same kind of price point, um, as far as heads are concerned. Um, I'm not the best guy to to tell people what arrows to buy, but I do like a little bit heavier arrow. Um, you know, I think the Mayhem's are a touch heavier, and you could get some inserts and, and build those out. Or heck, call the call the insert companies. You could probably tell them here's my budget. Here's total grains, and and that's why they got good guys um, on their customer service. I've I've heard a couple of those aftermarket insert companies do a good job of setting people up right. Um, so yeah, let's let's pencil in hundred dollars there. Okay, now we're rolling into the the heart of the season. Let's get a quick tally of how much we spent. We know we're roughly around five hundred for the first quarter. Second quarter is a, a heavy blow here. Let's see here, one fifty. That's two eighty. Um, Five, six, seven, oh, we spent a lot of money. <laughs> Nine eighty. So, so out of okay, so we've roughly spent fifteen hundred dollars. Just this makes it easier, I think, for the listeners. Um, so, so we've got nine hundred dollars to essentially play with this fall. We have, we have boots. We have our bow set up, and we've improved that dramatically. We have mobile gear. Um. Man, we're doing really well here, Adam. Do you, do you, you know, I, I hate well, to I, pause, but. I, no, but. I, I mean, I, I'm looking at it and I'm saying like, okay, so like, unless you're like in the deep, deep South, like your season is over, like at 
at the end of Q4, right? So, I mean, mm-hmm. and as we enter into the season, we need to be like fully spent, right? I mean, uh, I I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, and this guy's going to be going through some gas money as right. hunting season. But but I think literally at the at the the moment the gun goes off, um, we spent fifteen hundred dollars buying used stuff, but bought new boots. We we didn't need a new bow, but we bought a used bow to, to improve that. Um, we got into the mobile game. We got boots to kind of accommodate this new mobile and public land, a lot of mileage type game. That's that's pretty good, right? Like, mm-hmm. am I overthinking it? I, and, no, and I mean, you're... I mean, we're gonna need we're gonna need tags. So we need to know if we're just yeah, yeah. hunting our state, uh, out of state, like how we're you know uh, valuing that sort of thing. But yeah. if you're a new guy, like you said, you're probably not filling all your tags. So yeah, I this mean, dude's going two states max, dude. I mean, that's... right. And that's that's kind of my thought at this point. Looking, but you got nine hundred dollars to do that. So, yeah, we got some cash. Let's blow it all. No, <laughs> I mean, but 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 if a guy if a guy said, "Hey, I don't have twenty four hundred, uh, kind of that mark you gave me," you know, but I, he might have sticks and he might have yeah. a bow and he might, you know. So, yeah. I mean, this is this is great information from a, a, a zero to one hundred standpoint, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, if in in knowing what's coming this fall, September, October, November, um, what state is this guy in? Is he in the mid Midwest somewhere? I I mean, if I'm going to look at like my base for uh, Patreon Listening audience, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I this this show is based on like the people that support us directly that makes perfect sense so it's going to be um michigan mm-hmm. or it's going to be like new york maryland south oh, wow. carolina okay. like you know west virginia i mean yeah we're 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 not talking on easy states to hunt and i don't mean like easy by like deer standards i mean like hunting pressure you know what i mean yeah 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 yeah. Okay. Well, that 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 helps. We'll so, get to so, the second so, tag. So, so here we go. Give me a second tag in Ohio. Second tag in Ohio is not a bad option for for a guy in Michigan. Um, or it's the first state or there. West Virginia. I mean, so when I hunted, when I hunted, um, the first four years I hunted Ohio, I never saw an Ohio tag mm-hmm. uh, plate. I only saw West Virginia, Kentucky, Tennessee. Uh, Louisiana, um, yeah, those are the, those are the plates that I saw. Yeah. Hunting. The, the, the secret, the secret's out here on this state and we, we're the fifth most, uh, oh, pressured state as far as bow hunters per square mile. Um, and I've spent some time hunting some states to the West. Um, come up here. Let's have some fun. <laughs> say, say what? I said, come up here. Let's have some fun. Well, but if I was going to go North, wouldn't I go to Wisconsin? I mean, earlier season start time of September 15th, like if this is a budget hunt, if tags are within $50 of her, I could almost go two times to Wisconsin because it, it starts September 15th. Oh, yeah. And, oh, and yeah. caliber a buck is no secret. It's better there. Well, I'm just talking um, if you're with, yep. if, you, if you're Ohio secrets out, like 
Come on, Byron. I got to. I would, I would never. Ten- yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but like you know, look at uh, um, Kentucky, Tennessee. Um, yeah, you know, Indiana. Indiana's the most overslept. You oh, know, hundred. That's that's, that's out, it's on my list. Yeah, they the the only negative to Indiana is the the later later half of season kind of sucks. Um, to put it bluntly, they got a two week gun rifle season starting November fifteen, and then there's like a one a one week break, and then it's muzzle loaders. And, and no offense, but a muzzle loader is a, a pretty much two hundred yard rifle these days, um, for the most part. But yeah, it's it, it's um their late season doesn't set up as good or as friendly. Um, can you know compared to some of the other states of of Kentucky, Illinois sets up really well, but it's a heavy price tag. Um, and it's probably a little farther from your East coast guys. Right. Um, but going into season, if this guy is located in Michigan, located in Pennsylvania, he's got to kill his home bucks first. And then that's something too. I'm not a huge proponent of all these guys saying, let's go do a public land challenge somewhere. Because for me, it's tough enough to kill a good buck here in my home state. And I spend a lot of time here. But, Um, but, but the difference is like you're, I mean, so for Michigan, when you're like from your uh, trail cam setup, mm-hmm. like the buck to my right and the buck in front of me are both 100 inch bucks. And you're talking about is it a 120 or a 130? Like, so, mm-hmm. like, it's, it's, and I do not want to downplay this and I do not want to upsell Ohio. But I think like a 120 inch buck or a a 100 inch buck in Ohio is a lot easier to come by than than Michigan uh, on every single day of the week, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Let's speak in general terms and and 99% of hunting scenarios, if you had ground in Ohio to kill a 100 inch buck, it's a lot easier than killing a 100 inch buck in Michigan. So let's talk about if you're new guy to public land hunting and you just want to kill any buck or yeah or a deer yeah or you want to you want to kill something that you can you know respectively put on your wall um from michigan from you know jersey maryland south carolina or something like that some of those states you just mentioned i would almost maybe lean to tennessee kentucky because you could go twice because the openers are so much earlier as a secondary tag, because that's that's kind of a nice that's a nice ad. As somebody who bought a Kentucky tag last year, I I literally went for a weekend before I could even bow hunt my home state, you know. And and Dave almost shot a uh, let's call it a one twenty five er. But but the thing is, is like it might uh, suck ass to shoot a deer in February, but when does your season end? I mean, what where where it starts is one thing, but when does it end? Yeah, but I'll also tell you my buck sightings after this, the first gun week are, are, are very dismal, despite what Mr. Eberhardt says. Um, <laughs> that, that, that dude's a, an assassin. But yeah, I'm we we as Whitetail Experience have killed zero public land Ohio bucks in five years. I don't know if any of us have ever killed a buck after gun season. Well, check out the vitals live because John Eberhardt talks about exactly how you can do that uh, in the late season. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. When was the last time John did that? 
Well, that's another fact. Hey, what's up? I would ask him that. I, I think that's a fair question to ask John. You know, if it was if it was 2001, that might be a different story versus um, you're talking to five guys. And we're not near the hunters John has. Dude, look at the bucks he's killed. He's from Michigan, Harder State. He's been doing it a long time, doing it at a high level. But, you know, we're five guys who live here. Um, you know, myself, I've killed uh, in the rut slash pre-rut the last, I don't know, 10 years. Um, but like the, the core team still hunting late season on and off. Nobody's killed a buck. Um, just, just cause it gets, it's tougher after that gun week. My question is, I, I, I guess where I would, where I would point you is how many of those guys, how many of those years have killed no bucks prior to that? Killed no bucks prior to that. No, they've all killed bucks. Yep, and so I, I think that that's where yeah. I think that that's where it becomes a little bit more um, like filling that second tag or or um, not being out of state and having a time frame. I think yeah. it plays a heavy, and and that's one of the things like I try to um, put on John. You know, yeah, it because. Um, of that exact scenario, right? So if you didn't kill anything, then it, you still, ha- you still have this monkey on your back that you're chasing. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, and I, I, I guess I would go back to our scenario here where we're having this guy who is all monkeys, right? Yeah. Yeah. No yeah. Matter yeah. What He's He's, he's, he's probably killed a few deer, but he hasn't killed a hundred inch buck. And he's, he's, he's now got to do it a little different manner. He's getting into it. You're right. You're right. I would definitely, he's going to reserve some cash for a second deer, but I think, I think for the month of September, let's go ahead and paint a picture of, of maybe I, I do have a, a trail cam. I, if I got to, do I have to use all this money? You don't have to, you can save it. Okay. Pocket it. You can spend it on your wife. And that That's might be straight, that hey, might be a valuable asset, dude. Dude, babysitting money or 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 uh, I do food delivery sometimes for my wife. Like, hey, babe, like you don't have to cook dinner, and uh, the key is to get like two two plates. Or, dude, even if it's something like Panera or Jimmy John's delivered to the house while I'm on my bow hunting trip, I always get two, so that way she's got a lunch for the next day or something. That's that's a pro tip coming from a guy that uh, does some traveling for hunts or, or has to be be gone for little weekends here and there for for whatever obligations that's a pro tip right there um so yeah let's uh let's pencil in let's not let's let's not burn the the out-of-state tag uh, necessarily i do think this guy maybe um some trail cams are key and and here here's something uh i'm gonna pencil in here let's go two muddy trail cameras um you can find them on camo fire for 55 bucks um I ran a, a 10 budget friendly cameras and the price to performance level video mode um, ease of use with menu. That camera seems to be a pretty decent, decent option for a budget um, budget cam. Um, let's buy two of those. And, and this too, if this guy gets some pictures of four pointers or a racked eight, I mean, how much more motivation does he have now to hunt? Um, that's that's something not talked about enough in 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 bow hunting or um, even a cell cam game. You know, um, 
if you get a self, you know, you, you get a picture of a good buck, you're going to go hunt hard. You're going to do what's right. You're going to do extra scouting. Uh, you may go that day. It's, it's going to rain, um, on you because man, maybe he'll get up and move right before that rainstorm. So, so I'm, I'm going to pencil in two, two of those cameras, $110. Um, he's also got, you know, let's call it 40 or 50 bucks in tags. How much for you guys to, to get in the woods and hunt your home state between license and, uh, tag. Yeah, I think 50. Yeah, I think 50 bucks is two tags and a small game. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. Um, so that's that's September at this point. Um, leaving knowing, okay, uh, our season hits the last weekend there. So you're gonna, you may have $20 in gas. Uh, if you're hunting Kentucky, you know, that opener happens. Uh, Wisconsin, the guy may start hunting as well. And, and, you know, be spending 20, 40, there's weekends. I spend a lot of money on gas. So, so I don't, you know, knowing that that could be a, an expense that month, um, he's probably got anywhere between 20 and 50 in gas. Let's, should we go ahead and pencil that in? Yeah. I, I would say 50 bucks in gas, Just 50 bucks in gas. No okay. So our September, yeah, our September total there is 210. Um, and that gets you hunting. That gets you hunting you know, your, your, your home state potentially October rolls around. What is this guy going to spend money on? Really just gas, you know, uh, if he can get to his location and doesn't take any trips, like he's, he's out gas money. I think at this point, can you think of anything we've overlooked that, Hey, it's, it's October 15th. This guy's trying to kill deer. And, um, besides gas, is he, is he needing anything else? Well, I mean, I think, at that point, he is going to be second-guessing himself. So it's going mm. to be like that one spot that he checked out or where he has a cell cam or where he has his camera. Um, so I think how do you uh, approach that like mental game as far as like, you know, you might have money left, but where do you prioritize your time? And I think that yeah. you did, you, you put a great, you, you preface that greatly by saying, I'm going to, you know, spend money on my wife with some food deliveries and, and these types of things. Yeah. But like, but I mean, how are, how are you approaching that sort of thing? Yeah. So, so I guess, uh, mid October, late October, I do, I've do you believe in trips. the do you believe in the October lull? Um No. I don't do a ton of hunting from the tenth through the twentieth. I believe it's more important to take the kids to the pumpkin patch. But uh like this year I think I killed the twenty second ish. But that might killed... that might be where your dollars need to be spent, right? Yeah, yeah. You you definitely need to have that family pumpkin patch, especially if this dude's got kids. You gotta Dude, you got to knock that out early in October. Don't put that off. Even if it's like a Sunday afternoon, like, you know, October 6th is not near as valuable as October 26th um, for the most part. Um, obviously, you, you see a – you gain a visual on a buck doing something dumb October 6th, kill him. But, um, you know, in broad spectrum, uh, go get the pumpkin patch done anytime before the 15th of October. Uh, so we can put we can put a little family day in there. Let's say he blows a oh, let's dude he, he might do a hundred dollars between maybe he takes his wife and 
they go watch a football game at a nice restaurant one night and then they take the kids to the pumpkin patch uh, on a weekend. He could blow a hundred dollars there and we're just going to call that family time. This is important. Somebody's got a girlfriend substitute that for girlfriend time. Um, but make it known that, Hey, like maybe later, you know, let's, you know, let them know that, that, uh, that October bow hunting push is coming late October, November bow hunting push is coming. Um, so yeah, let's put a hundred dollars there of family, family time. Um, I guess we got to answer the question. Is this guy going to go to another state? Maybe he's got a hunting buddy. That's a little more advanced. Is he going to go somewhere? Well, let's talk about, he's, he's a Michigan guy or, yes. or whatever. Adam, and, you're allowed to ask selfish questions here. Well, Fire I'm, at will. I mean, uh, I can do whatever I want to. I got a podcast, right? So it, I, it's all a write-off, right? You're an accountant. So <laughs> <laughs> I got a different uh, thing. But the, the fact of the matter is that, like, if I want to kill a 100-inch buck uh, in seven days, I can do it a lot easier. I can do it every fucking year in Ohio or Indiana. Yeah, then, yeah. I think at a minimum you've got to buy an Ohio or Indiana tag. Right. So, so that's the thing is like if I, if I want to put a deer on my wall because I haven't, I don't have that level, and I'm saying okay, this is where I want to, this is where I want to spend my money. Mm-hmm. I've got all the equipment. It's just a matter of like I got seven days to do it. Where yep. do I prioritize my time? Yeah, then, I I don't think I go in October at this point. Well, I, I mean, uh, John but, and I have like, we've gone, like, I feel like in, in my life right now, I think I could go to Ohio for your opener. If I had five days in your opener, I can kill a hundred inch deer. I could probably kill a Pope and Young your opening week with my skill set, but, um, because it's, I feel like. Your deer, the deer in Ohio are bigger. So I can mm-hmm. kill a two and a half in Ohio on a pattern easier than I can kill one in Michigan. And your season starts earlier. And that yeah. is, John and I have had this conversation and it's like, you know, from our experiences in Ohio, I think a Michigan guy going to Ohio, like for the opener um, understanding and, and not necessarily going to anywhere, Ohio, but going to Hill country, Ohio. Like, I think you could go, um, find some points, uh, find some leeward sides and some, I mean, l- listen to your podcast with Jake Bush and he's killing booners, uh, you know, and it's like the deer that he's passing or like, whatever. It's like the deer that you're passing. Like I would kill them with that hundred and seventy dollar tag and be elated, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's just kind of the way that I approach it, right? And I, tell me I'm wrong, please, because I mean um, it's it's my hundred and seventy dollars. It's, <laughs> it's not. It's not. It's not a terrible thought. Um, it is not a terrible thought. I. Hundred incher, Dave passed a hundred incher October fifth ish this year. It was summer. Let's call it October fifth, October sixth. And when does your season open? 
the 20 like generally anywhere between the 28th and 30th it's whatever the last saturday in september is right um so give me so a week you, down there yeah 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 bottom line that like but um if I passed any other hundred inchers that time of year, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to recall. I don't. Um, and maybe that's just my hunting and scouting and blah, blah, blah. I don't see a lot of them. Um, and and you, nobody can compare themselves to Jake Bush because I talk to Jake Bush off there. I know how much that dude walks. Mm-hmm. I know how much he drives. Yep. I know where he drives. Yep, yep, yep. And... Yep. What he sacrifices to to pass Pope and Youngs is a lot. Um, so 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 I don't I I don't think that, well and he like so I think he only yeah yeah he he did have some good early season hunts but he's an early season guy if you look at his track record. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, me personally, I'm I'm trying to think here. I. I might have only seen a four point um, before the buck I killed on October 20th. And that's a decent amount of scouting, decent amount of card pulls. Um, but the thing is, is like I'm you're, a, you're hunting different deer, right? You're not targeting 100 inch deer. You're not har- har- yes, targeting correct. 120s. So um, I, I think that there's a difference there. But I also think like, here's uh from from new guy perspective right yeah is uh if he starts there the last week of september he's got that tag until february or whenever you guys end yeah yeah i thought we were only going on one trip that was my only caveat to, to this well but purchase. who knows when he kills i mean so that that's yes. the yeah my my thing is if you're gonna make a one one bow hunting trip to somewhere else and you know you killed your buck i believe sometime around the rut me personally i have gone out of state i killed and... mine october 9th oh shit i killed i killed it on byron horton time <laughs> no no i am not a pre uh pre-october 20 killer my thing is is if i go out of state and i've gone out of state for shit i don't know the last four or five years and I've never been on a piece of ground or very limited. I can throw darts in the rut or in the pre-rut and see bucks because they're just on their feet more and, and kind of create the 100-inch opportunity. I've, I passed a, a couple of those uh, in Indiana year one, never been there. Uh, Kentucky this year, I, I uh, oh, man, I was very close to killing two 200-inch or two 100-inch bucks, we'll call it, and two 125-135s. Um, you know, but it was right. And I could throw darts at, at, okay. I could kind of see stuff that, that would get those deer to, to funnel through areas. And it was just easier to dart throw in the rut versus, uh, early season. But yeah, yeah. Bottom line, if this guy does want to buy a tag and he's in Michigan for, for example, hundred percent, he's got to buy a, an Indiana or an Ohio tag. Full sand. Wisconsin. I, I, that's, I mean, I mean, Wisconsin. They, well, yeah, because then you get the September fifteen yep, opener. Yep, yep. He could go twice. Yeah, in a season easy. Pretty easily. So, so, this, and, and it's two. They're all the Ohio's. I think the the Indiana's the the cheapest, unless you want to get the the combo of 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 a firearm and bow. Um, you know, but Ohio and Indiana, they're within I think forty dollars of each other. The 
the Wisconsin, if you go year one, is only 80 bucks. Can yep. I use that for this example? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, so that's the thing is, like, Dan Infall, he told us, he's like, if you guys tag out earlier, you want to go to Wisconsin, it's $80, and I'll put you on some, like, giants. And we're like, what? Yes. Yeah, right, so, so we're, that's yeah, a great we're, we're penciling that's a in great Wisconsin. We, we, we came to that logic pretty pretty good there, especially year one. You can, you can buy it for 80 bucks. It's definitely a better hunting state than um, – say um michigan is as far as bucks are concerned <laughs> quality so deer. yes yes quality deer so 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 yeah that's a good use of it so we're under 200 dollars in october and we spent 100 dollars on family and 80 dollars on a uh an out-of-state tag that guy um you know now if he buys that 80 dollars tag does he go once in october should we pencil in 100 dollars uh 50 in gas 50 in bullshit and probably 50 in gas back uh, I would say $150 in gas because I think if this guy is going to go to Wisconsin, I would say, yeah. like, negate the bullshit. He's going there to to try to level up, right? Yep. Okay, 150 in gas. Okay. Um, November rolls around. Uh, this is pretty much you tell this guy, look, I don't care what you do the first – actually, any time in November – uh, you guys have an early gun season if this guy's in Michigan. So well, bottom line, like, he's got a well. September is like uh, you have a youth hunt, and then you have a early doe season, but you don't have a, like a real early gun season. Yeah, yeah, but you guys have a November fifteen gunner, yeah, yeah, yeah. November seventeen gunner. Yeah. So this dude literally has the first two weeks to get it done in his home state. Yep, uh, with a bow. So he's going to be burning vacation. And a lot of gas. Um, how much do I spend on a day in gas? Roughly. Now. So if he's going to hunt five days in a row, it's easily a hundred bucks, if not closer to one fifty. Um. Yeah, I would say in my in my rig is. Most guys uh, take a week of vacation. Yeah, it's it's probably uh, sixty dollars a tank, and so you we're doing two tanks of gas so yeah so um this guy's probably i i think easily by the time maybe he stops and gets a oh it's it's tough to food prep for a whole week so you do end up buying some fast food i feel like mm-hmm. that week of the rut uh, maybe some extra coffees or whatever in the morning let's let's pencil in two or 250 for for your november one week rut push most guys yeah. take a week off what do you think 250 yeah that's we fine. have money that's, that's that's money to blow. Okay. And all we have left, uh, um, you know what we're going to do next? In the second half of November, since this guy's in Michigan, he's got he's to either go to another state at this point. Um, he's got the Wisconsin tag. I don't know how the later half of Wisconsin works. Um. Somebody's going to rip us a new one on this podcast. I don't know. I know their gun season is in November, but I don't know if it's like the third weekend or or how long it's good for. And I don't know if that $80 tag is just bow. I don't know that. Do you know that? I don't. Okay. We're not going to – I guess this guy's going to go back to Wisconsin in December then. We're going to assume he can bow hunt then. <laughs> uh, just for conversation. Right. Um, yep. We had put in earlier 150 ish dollars. This time he 
is he going to spend more or less? I don't know. Um, but we could put 200 pretty quickly here and, and probably be, be good. And so rough cost, we were at $1,500 spent going into essentially the core of the season. Um, let's see here. 210, 150, that's 360, that's 600, 800 more dollars. Okay, we barely, we barely did it. We blew a lot of money there in the, the, from, from September to December. I, I got us a rough total of 800-ish dollars. Um, so, so that puts us right at 2,300. I think that's a pretty decent job for your audience. <laughs> Um, to, to picture spending that kind of money and what that does. Right. And so you, you end up with a hundred dollars left. Um, and we uh, bought a bow. I, I mean, know, shit. but I mean, like, so you went through that month by month and, and, and in real time, kind of how you would spend it. Right. Mm-hmm. So in, even in this little, scenario in retrospect like where do you think you could have done a better job or where do you think like what what do you where would you prioritize your money like not being like month by month but like overall i mean if you could i mean you you obviously have a pen and paper in front of you so Mm -hmm. like where was all the money spent and where do you think you could have spent extra money and maybe saved? So the, the bow is kind of the, the, the dumb money or like a guy who has a decent bow, like he wouldn't have to spend that money going forward. You know, we could say the same thing for sticks or. Yeah. yeah, You already had some of that. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, because that's that's something like even standing sticks. You know, you can buy that once and it'll ride you out for a few years. Um, if I look at this paper and I say what was smart money, I think our um, our Wisconsin tag was it was a nice nice thought because for eighty bucks we can go once in September if time allows, um, kind of before the Michigan opener. Um, and the that that's the cheapest out of state tag of the three states we discussed. Um, the, the hundred dollars of family time, tough to argue. That's not, you know, smart money. Um, the only thing that I kind of look at and, and if, if, uh, maybe we were doing this exercise for say year two, um, maybe instead of going to Wisconsin yourself, let's say this is for you for next year and you're looking at a 2000 ish dollar budget. I would tell you if you're going to come to Ohio, you would have to like it'd be good to come scout even for for a long weekend or a a, a two day or on on the piece of public you intend to hunt in the fall, just because that'll get you a lot of uh, you so know it could you, it could get you a really good head start. So do you like so my experience has been um, scouting Ohio in uh, April, and mm-hmm. I don't know if you've been to Ohio in April. Um, you live there. The bear shit in the woods. Uh, there is millions of ticks. Like the deer mm-hmm. that I killed, um, when I brought the cape to him, they said, uh, we've never seen this many ticks, this many variety of ticks. 
Um, we have never seen this many ticks on a cape in my lifetime. So if you were going to scout Ohio from out of mm-hmm. state, when would you do it? Yeah, uh, fe- February, um, March. Um, that way you're mostly done with snow. Um, I myself have an out-of-state uh, scouting trip in March um, to another state. Um, you know, that's just that that'll help me, you know, kind of learn that place significantly better, um, and start getting the blueprint on a, on a piece of public. So yeah, that's, that's the, that's a good use of time, you know, and money, especially if you don't have, or if you already have some of this gear that I felt like the bow needed upgraded and standing six became essential because this guy didn't have anything that could help him mobile hunt. All right. Well, I mean, like this isn't, um, this is no bullshit. This is like been more of my favorite podcast because like these are things that, uh, these are questions that I answer every day. And these are questions that like, I go back and forth on like how to do it. And I live in like a, a shit whitetail state. I mean, mm-hmm. for, for yeah. the, uh, and again, this is like when I talk to Brandon Egan and, and I say, uh, yeah, I'm the worst world's worst bow hunter. And he's like, yeah, I can see that. So this is what yeah. I would do. Um, yeah. You know, so when you're like, yeah, I live in the shit whitetail state, you're like, mm, yep, I get it. Um, yeah. well, it was crazy <laughs> when we, we got to the $1,500 mark there at the end of August and we kind of had a lot of stuff ready to go. Um, you know, like that wasn't, that wasn't, you know, that's not like 1500. That's fathomable, you know, for, for even a guy who's, who's 22 about to get his, his, his first job job, or maybe he's working in the trades and, and maybe he already has a decent enough bow. And so he's got a pretty good head start here. This, this could be done, um, for a limited budget and, and, as far as gear, we didn't pick anything stupid, elaborate. Uh, a lot of it was, um, you know, and and not junk equipment from Keen Boots to to an XOP tree stand. Those are those are solid like gear items, you know. Right, and and uh, to be honest with you, like the the fun the fun part of this podcast and like i said this has like been one of my favorites is like if you were to go and look at the record book and you were to say you know from the hansen buck all the way down to like the lowliest of low um pope and young buck right mm-hmm. like it isn't the the sick fanatic jacket that that made that hunt right mm-hmm. it was like the the red and black lumberjack the dan fitzgeralds the pete shepley's of the world um the scheffler jared scheffler he hunts yeah. in like wrangler stretches <laughs> and like you know yeah. earth tone yeah crap I mean, and... like for guys that are just starting out it isn't um the gear doesn't matter. And that's the whole point of this whole podcast is like gear is whatever it's going to be. Jared Scheffler kills deer off the ground with a longbow and a flannel. You know, if you look at Zach 
from the hunting public. Like his, one of the guys that he respects most is Jared Scheffler, mm-hmm. um, simply from that perspective. And if we go back down the the line, is like it ends up being the you know iconic Fred Bear quote of "sit down, shut up, and be quiet." Right. It's it's so funny, Adam. You say this. Um, and I might be able to send you a minute of my film for this year. I literally have, have put the finishing touches, but the the opening minute, I talk about um, how I was tricked by the industry and how I thought products killed deer, and and then uh, I kind of go into the the four core beliefs of what I think killed deer, and it's a uh, it's a uh, gas, scouting, effort, and time, and and those are kind of the the four things that I feel like. Oh, it, 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 they're kind of a theme for 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 this year's film that that, that I'll be putting out um, because I, I do I feel very tricked. I was so obsessed with deer early um, and didn't have the best like mentor slash how do I go about this and try and get on you know better bucks. And I, I'm I'm all about whitetail. I I literally would watch the Outdoor Channel and thought I had to do buy those products. Everybody was pitching me. I really thought like you know that was how you did it. Um, so yeah, this has been a cool conversation for, for, you know, somebody getting into it. I think, um, the themes of, of it's not about the gear, but these will get you in a situation and then it's up to you to, to kind of learn the craft. Well, I feel like, I mean, and it, it sounds like you may be on the, the same spectrum, but it's like, I feel like I'm going backwards. It's like, it's like, you know, last year. I killed a four point, right? Like literally like a spike with brow tines. And I posted it on social media and people were like, thank you so much for posting that because I really appreciate like that someone with a platform, i.e. we have a platform, right? Yeah. Um, Saying that that's okay to do. Um, And this year I killed a, you know, 98 inch buck on Michigan public land with a bow. And I was like, I don't feel like that represents like the way that I, you know, I mean, I didn't put in the work to kill that deer. Um, and people are like, Oh, that's, that's crazy. And like, it's like I bought, I, I ended up with like this most beautiful, like long bow. Um, it's the most amazing thing. And I would love to kill a deer, in khaki pants, a flannel shirt, and, uh, you know, with this longbow next year. But it's just, like, I don't feel like I have the, like, skill set to do it. But, like, that's, like, what I'm more drawn to than any of the things that um, the industry says that you have to do. Um, And I think that that's awesome that, like, those are – because that's what I wanted to get out of this podcast, right? Like Jason named Koviak, you know, he hunts with lone wolf stuff. He hunts in his work clothes with a beanie on. And he is the most, um, staunch, um, Michigan proponent for mm-hmm. the, I guess all the right things. Um, you know, if you can say it like that, um, and it's like, I don't think I'm a good enough hunter to just take 
this new long bow out there, but it's like, I, I, I guess if you're going to fail, like fail huge, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I mean, that, yeah. that, that's kind of the way that I feel about it. So for you saying that it, it makes me feel like that's more of a viable option. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Yeah. I definitely, I mean, you've talked about, uh, on this pod, uh, not this particular podcast, but on your podcast in general, just how much you've grown from all these conversations with guys. Um, you know, I gotta believe the encounter rate you have now is way better than what it used to be. And by making that, that weapon that you want to go pursue it with, like maybe you're going to get a few more encounters and one goes the way you want it to. I, man, bow hunting is all about what you want to make it. Um, I've kind of chosen the journey to maybe kill slightly above average bucks on, on public land or whatever. And, um, it doesn't even have to be public. I've got a family, 18 acres. And I get a kick out of, you know, Oh, doing all the timber work out there. I don't have necessarily some food plot game, but I, I, you know, I cut trees and I, I hinge cut, I girdle cut, I, I hack and squirt and clear cut invasive species. I do it all out there, but, uh, there's just not a lot of good bucks out there, but it's, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's whatever you want it to be, man. I don't think uh, you gotta, uh, the industry now is way more accepting of, of whatever it is, uh, the, the, the guys, you know, somebody posts a hundred inch buck in Michigan now on Facebook. You know what? There's a, there's a crowd of guys like, dude, that guy killed a stud. Um, and 10 years ago, that was not the case. They just said, Oh God, that guy killed a hundred incher, you know? Um, you know, it, it's, it's way, I don't know. I think the industry's changing and everything's despite the negativity of Facebook, it's a little more accepting. Um, there's, I, I don't think there's quite the big buck shaming there used to be five, 10 years ago. Yeah, but I don't. I don't think like I worry about big bucks because I'm, I really don't care what other people think. And mm-hmm. it, but I think that I think you're a hundred percent right, and that I've had a. I mean, I I would have more than a hundred percent rate of big buck encounters um, since you know having all of these conversations because the the fact of the matter is is like you can take. You can listen to the information, but if you don't do anything with it, then it doesn't really matter. And I've been implementing everything that I can do. And it's not that I'm like disingenuous or just like I'm disenfranchised with like where I'm at right now. It's like, I I, I mean, honestly, I don't think like, I mean, if I killed that four point with a, with a longbow, it'd be a trophy. Um, but the, other side of it is is that like that would be an incredible accomplishment oh yeah and and that to me is more important like for me being more accomplished as a hunter um to have those experiences and to be that close and to do those things um would mean more to me because from everything that I'm doing, like our goal here and my goal here is not to like in any way put myself on a pedestal is almost, I mean, everything that we do is like, I'm the fricking, um, you know, self-deprecating guy and the world's worst bow hunter. Right. But the other side of that is, is like, all I want to do is just, 
to allow other people to know that it's okay. Like have fun, hunt, kill, do whatever you want to do. Like venison is awesome. Like let's do this thing and like, let's have fun, you know? And I want to grow, but I think in Michigan, like taking to taking it to that level makes it like some sort of a fucking pissing contest. So mm. I rather like use everything that I've learned to kill deer with the longbow. And that would be so much more fulfilling personally than like killing hundred inch deer after hundred inch deer after hundred inch deer, you know? Cause I, I mean, I mean, my thing has been like, man, I'm glad I don't kill big deer because it seems like there's a lot that goes along with it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. Uh, as far as what I see from, from guys doing it, who have chose to pursue it at a, at a high level, whatever they, um, you know, want to raise the bar in their hunting on private, public, uh, multiple states, uh, kill a big deer in their own area. Like it's, there's, there's work and time involved in that process. It's a, you know, you, you, you gotta uh, embrace that process and love that, that process for me. That's kind of what I like to do. I like, I like that, that, that work really hard at something. I've always been motivated to, to, to put my effort in on something and see a, a reward or, you know, I, I, I live for that, man. That's, uh, that's, that's, that's something I really love about hunting is it's just me, um, in my experience and, you know, um, so, so yeah, that's, I mean, that's part of what I do for bow hunting. Don't get me wrong, dude. I love the sunrises. I love the, the, oh, catching squirrels running or, uh, seeing a fox. I mean, I, I love all that stuff. I, I really like the sunrises, dude. Like the little things. I like a cup of coffee at 2 a.m. as I'm driving to a piece of public. I, <laughs> to me, that's, that's all about it. Um, but yeah, the, I've kind of chosen my own little, what, what fires me up about deer hunting right now. And it's, uh, kind of pushing my envelope if you will well i'm not afraid of that i mean like all that stuff sounds amazing but what i'm afraid of is like the introspective stuff like i i want to enjoy all the things that you outlined like mm-hmm. i don't want it to be about the kill right i want the pureness of the hunt and i think like in the space that we live that's the most difficult portion of it i mean that's why it's that's why it's cool for me to post a four-point kill and and people to be you know impressed or Mm -hmm. uh, inspired by it right because that's the hardest part is to be okay with like your your skill level. Like I'm mm-hmm. always trying to get better and I'm always trying to, you know, chase that ghost if you will. But to and I and I think you do a very good job um in in what you do of showing the inspiring nation a, a notion of that uh that 2 a.m. cup of coffee or that that sunrise or, or, you know, but you, you gotta let people know that it's okay to be, you know, 
me, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's okay to be like the growing Michigan hunter. It's okay to be to be like chasing whatever, but happy with whatever comes about. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a that's the beauty of hunting. It's a personal pursuit. It's a, it's not a not necessarily a full blown team affair. So with you and with um with the whitetail experience, like in that journey, like where are you guys at currently and what is the mission statement of the whitetail experience and how can everybody see like what you guys are all about? Yeah. I think, uh, as far as like a, a mission statement, it's, uh, it's the, the brand is targeting me at age 19. You know, it's a, uh, um, it's a very, um, Oh, public land mobile dominant brand. If you look at our YouTube and some of our podcasts, that's kind of the focus. And it's, uh, those are kind of the best areas to find us basic social media. Um, but it's, uh, just a, a couple of us guys that, that, you know, decided we were going to start filming it and it's kind of morphed into a brand built around that experience. And I try to personally produce a decent videography, uh, products are there but also our youtube's full of little tip tactics and um you know that kind of thing so 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 that's 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 the brain that's who we are man byron uh, this like i'm gonna say it in our intro but like this has been one of my favorite podcasts because it um it it speaks to a guy like me it speaks to our audience it speaks to everything but i think you're underselling your ability as a filmmaker and you continue to inspire me i mean he says oh there's these little tips and tricks stuff but like i mean if you watch any of his videos on like his budget stuff and that's why i wanted to bring him on here like watch him he's wearing different clothes um the cuts are incredible and it's on a mm, four to seven minute video i mean he's doing great great things that you could do probably on your iphone um and edit to keep the viewer engaged and that goes back to this whole budget podcast i mean he does an amazing job and i really appreciate it um byron where can people follow along with everything that you're doing and i'm not talking about just like uh byron horton the white tail experience but what are you involved with yeah 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 so so yeah i would look up uh the white tail experience youtube and, and instagram obviously and then um i do a decent amount of the photo video work uh related to xop and lone wolf custom gear and uh i do a decent amount of the editing for whitetail addictions with uh um a few great guys on on, on staff there with hollandsworth and, and he say they, they both help chip in um, when needed and, um just outstanding guys but yeah th that's that's where you can see my stuff um some of the f photo content is mine as well that you'll see out there but yeah that's uh that's where you can find me Man, I, I appreciate you coming on and I appreciate the perspective because it's not a, it's not jaded, it's not um, industry driven by any means and um, I, I think it's really a value to our listeners. So, you know, thanks for coming on. 
Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Adam. And dude, I even took some notes on this, and uh, so so I'm I'm pretty pumped about this podcast. Appreciate you having me. <laughs> yep. Not a problem, man. Thank you.